What's up, everybody, and welcome to Anime Bebe, where we come up with ultimate moves every day. This is your host, filled with passion, Mikey. And joined with me, as always, is... The coolest, the frostiest hero out there, the, the amazing grin, Ryan. Brought to you this episode by a soda I'm drinking this episode. Fuckola cola <laughs> <laughs> A soda I just grabbed the other day to uh, enjoy for this podcast. And welcome back. To Summer of Heroes! And on this episode, we've reached the end of our My Hero Kinda Summer. You know, it feels like yesterday we started this little summer series to cover the rest of the My Hero anime as a way to get all caught up with the series before uh, Season 4 drops in October. Yes, that is true. Uh, it feels a little sad to uh, come to the end after this long summer. Yeah, so, like, uh, how you feeling after this whole, these past few months, you know, what are kind of your, uh, Thoughts, you know, looming in your head right now. Ooh, only of what's to come. Only of what's to come. Because I'm completely up to date on the manga as of this date, and I just want to get to even cooler stuff that's coming up later on. Ooh. The next awesome arc, the uh, chill arc that comes after, the cool arc that comes after, and then the amazing, incredible, goddamn awesome <laughs> arc that is just wrapped up today. There's so much more I want to get to in the future, but um, I'm appreciating what I have right now. And what we have right now is one stellar season coming up here. Hells yeah. So, on our last podcast, we took a break from the main series and talked about the movie with our good friend Tony, and that was a damn good time. Yes, we had a really good time with Tony. Yeah, and uh, definitely won't be the last time we have him on the pod. Like, I, I have some ideas for what I want to do with him coming back in the future, so yeah, I'd look forward to him. Yeah, you've always future. wanted to do something with Tony. So. Yeah. Yeah, of course. He, you know, he's one of our closest friends today, so of course we had to have Yeah, plus he's podcast. had, like, experience doing podcasts before us. Experience is very good. The one thing I don't have. Yeah, and I don't have either. <laughs> but hey, we still got plenty more uh, guests to consider for the future as well that we're going to bring to all our listeners here. Oh yeah, so yeah, stay tuned for that. But now, let's get back into Season 3. So, what happened when we last left our 1A kids? You know, you thought shit hit the fan before with Stain and all that, but... Nah, nah. -uh. Last time, all of the shit hit the fan as the summer training camp was interrupted by the Leaguey Weegee completed with new members. Deku broke himself like he's never broken himself before while trying to protect resident wiener kid and famed dick puncher Kota, but in doing so, he became a hero to the young lad. The rest of the incident saw Bakugo being Baku napped, which led to Deku, Ida, Todoroki, Kirishima, and Yamamo to stage a rescue. During this rescue, the kids and the pro heroes were introduced to All Might's arch nemesis. All for one. All Might and All for One fought head to head while the Bakugo retrieval squad saved their classmate. 
the battle ended with a moment in anime history. I cannot stress that enough. Moment in anime goddamn history. One of the best moments. As All Might defeated All for One with a United States of Smash. Ah, nothing but respect for my president. Better not have forgotten Puerto Rico in that smash. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All Might totally remembers Puerto Rico. (laughs) You had it better. You can't forget that in in a smash like that. You can't forget one of our most famous territories. Precisely. However, that attack was all that was left within All Might, and the final flames of One for All went out. And as he took his final bow, All Might proclaimed to the world, but to specifically young Midoriya, that now it's his turn. Yeah, all that happened, so... <laughs> a lot of next? heavy crap going on. Yeah, so... What, God, ne- what the hell are we starting this podcast off with? What episode? Yeah, so, well, let's find out as we're closing out Summer of Heroes by talking about the second half of My Hero Academia Season 3. So without further ado, let's start the show. Let's smash. First things first, obviously, we got to talk about the opening and ending. The opening is Make My Story by Lenny Code Fiction, and the ending is Long Hope Philia by Masaki Sudo, which was also the end credits theme to the movie. Hmm, how cool is So, uh, what do you think of these, the uh, OP and the ending here? I uh, guess you quite nicely hyped up for what's to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, neat little visuals uh, that really uh, get across the very kinetic arc that is coming up ahead, actually. Really sets up th- things uh, quite well. Although, as far as the ending theme goes, um, I like it a little bit better than the Calm one before this one. If only because, like, the stakes are considerably lower this arc, so yeah, feels a little bit more okay, you know. Feels a little bit more uh, appropriately self-reflective than the quaint little theme we had before when shit was hitting yeah. so i i like quite i like both of these quite well yeah i like the ending too but i feel like it fits better as the ending to the movie where you know it's kind of like that kind of after battle song you know oh it's, yeah it's very relaxing to I listen to after that. like a big moment which was what happened in the movie mm, you do have a point there but as for the opening i feel this is the one my hero opening that could rival uh, the day from season one. Make my story is fucking awesome. Ooh, you think that? It's really good. Like 
it's one of the openings that really gets you hyped. Like, I love that opening bit where it's like, bam, 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 bam. It is good. So it good. Is you good. just see all of, like, 1A, you know, flying up into the air, you know, getting ready for a fight. And then you see them, like, you know, facing off with all, like, their rivals and enemies that they're going to meet in this arc. And it's just so really well done and well cut together. I am a little bit on the fence about this, about that one in regards to the first one, but... You do make a good point. And there is, like, uh, one little subtle moment in the opening that I never noticed until this rewatch. Where, like, you know, as uh, all the 1A students are running ahead into the battle, they run past Deku, and Deku's standing still until he gets, like, you know, a pat on the back from All Might to go forward. If you look, if you notice, look closely, when All Might pats uh, Deku on the back to push him forward, he's in his, like, uh, big strong mode. You know, he's, like, his big, uh, big All Might mode. But then when it cuts back to see All Might in the background, he's down to his smaller All Might form. So it's kind of like, you know, like, uh, hey, like uh, what happened before in the season where like, I'm strong now, but now I'm weak. It's it's your turn. Oh, yeah. It's a little self-reflective in that regard. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it kind of takes like that moment and puts it into the opening in a subtle way. Oh, I could. Oh, yeah. I kind of like that a little bit. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the the one one piece opening where uh, Luffy kind of gets one last look from Ace. In the oh, opening. I love that one. Yeah. And then he kind of runs off uh, as he uh, rem- remembers the good friends that he has. Yeah, as you he, know, Ace gives the tip of the hat and then he gives you the know, tip of the hat disappears and then, he, and then Luffy runs off into the future uh, where he will be uh, with his friends. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. And also, like, I think my favorite part of the opening is, like, the ending where, you know, all of, like, 1A are all standing together on a mountain and it uh, zooms out and you have uh, Hagakure, Invisible Girl, kind of, you know, standing heroically in front of him and just kind of points to the camera. <laughs> she must have felt so good in that opening despite the fact nobody could see anything. Yeah, she, like, you can kind of tell that she's kind of putting, like, one arm on her knee and then kind of pointing going, yeah, it's, it's, it's cute. You can do it, too. You can see right through me. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the series proper. Kick off with moving into the dorms. With summer coming to an end and the incident with All for One behind them, it's time to get back to reality, aka back to school time. Though I can imagine this time being a bit more exciting and enjoyable if you're going to a hero school. But, oh uh, yeah, dorms where you get your own personal space to jack off in. <laughs> <laughs> though if this were like a real world school though, I'd be like, nah, fuck you. It's the most miserable time of year. What I well personally I loved the dorms myself. But... I love the dorms, but I just hate back to school time. Mm, yeah, that is true. Now to be fair, I did like having friends within good reach at all times. That is good too. That was pretty good, and I did just like having a nice little space all to myself. Right? Yeah. Just put, you know, it was my own personal domain. Yeah. You could say. And with this new semester, the UA students will be moving into those brand new dormitories. It's called Heights Alliance, which was built in only three days. So hopefully uh, guys like Cementost and Power Loader got some of that uh, sweet paid overtime building these dorms. They better have for all yeah. that good work. And these are good dorms, too. These are damn fine dorms. And uh, not only are we entering this new school semester, but uh, we're also entering a new normal in the series as, you know, there's still some tension within society as we lost our symbol of peace. You know, the public doesn't know if they can trust UA, and UA doesn't know if they can even trust themselves, you know, with that whole traitor thing that came back in the... Uh, Previous arc, right? That's gonna be hang- that's kind of hanging everybody over everybody's heads right now. So everything, every there's a bit of a general state of anxiety among everyone. But you know, you gotta take those uh, baby steps to move forward. Right. One more thing, as before one uh, A's new dorm life begins, Aizawa gives out to them and pretty much threatens the Bakugo retrieval squad along with the rest of the class who did nothing to stop them from doing what they did. But uh, you know, not you, Jiro and Hagakure. You two did nothing wrong. You know, you were laid up in a local medical facility, but 
you know, still, you're, you're good girls. Hagakure did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or did that she? must have been the joke among, like, the students there. Or did she? She's invisible. She could have been there the entire time. Ah, that is true. You know, maybe, mother... maybe nobody saw her do anything. You know, Mother's Basement says that uh, Hagakure is in every scene, which that what makes her uh, best girl in the series. Hmm, that is a good point. Well, then actually uh, get a nice moment from uh, Bakugo as he sees how tense everyone is feeling after that, and he tries to lighten the mood by forcing Kaminari to fry his brain to make everyone laugh. <laughs> One of the few moments where Bakugo tries to do something cool for everyone. Yeah, he just sees everyone just, like, feeling a little tense, you know, Aizawa just yelled at them, and he just, like, grabs Kaminari, drags him behind a bush, you just see electric shocks go everywhere, and then he just shoves him out, and he's just giving his thumbs up, you know, <laughs> God, he's got enough tack there to know that everybody needs cheering up, but he doesn't remember that for what's coming up soon. And also, I love that uh, out of everyone who's laughing at Kaminari, Jiro especially loses her shit laughing at him. Oh yeah, she loves that joke so much. She loves it when Kaminari just turns into a brain-dead idiot. <laughs> it's like her favorite pastime. Also, Bakugo pays back Hiroshima for the money he spent on those uh, night vision goggles that he bought for the rescue plan. So hey, bros for life, man. Would have loved the idea if, like, it turns out that that camera was actually a gift he got. <laughs> and he was like, wait, no, dude, uh, uh, okay, fine. I mean, hey, Kirishima did, like, treat everyone to, like, dinner afterwards with that money. Also, with the scene, you kind of get the feeling that Bakugo is really kicking himself for what happened, and, like, you know, this is a way of, of uh, repaying everyone, you know, for, like, all the trouble he believes he caused. So, like, hey, he can be nice when he wants to, just, you know, in his own little way, of course. Mm, yeah. Anyway, time for 1A to get settled. And, uh, yeah, what do you think of their new living space here? Looks way too nice for high school students. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, it's fucking gorgeous. Lucky-ass students with their awesome new apartments. Yeah, it's the... Wish I, had, wish I had access to something this fucking nice. Yeah. This is so unfair. <laughs> it is, and, and I love Uraka, you know, the poor girl, flipping out at the sight of how big and nice these dorms are. Like, she's almost falling over herself at how beautiful this dorm well, is. of course! If you ever came from, like, a poor enough background like her, you'd be <laughs> impressed with all this shit. So, later that night, with everyone fully moved in, what better way to christen these new dorms than by checking out everyone's room and seeing who has the best? And what do you think of everyone's room here? Do you have any uh, favorites here? Well, one, I love the framing that they're just, like, for fun. This is just a small mo little moment where they just get to... Because, of course, they're just kids, so they just have a moment where they just have fun with yeah. each other. They just have nice little social fun and just, you know, compare each other's rooms to each other. It's a great way for Horikoshi to get across every character and their character through their actual rooms. So, this, th so yeah, it makes for a sweet little moment. Uh, that gives a little bit of character for everybody. Yeah, do you have any uh, favorite rooms that you see here? Well, let's see. What are the rooms we do have? You do have Tokiyami with his badass yeah. goth dark at dark room where everything's just in shrouded darkness. Which, I don't know if you would want, given that his quirk is powered and gets stronger with darkness. Yeah. You'd think you wouldn't want that too much? you want, like, a little middle ground where you have some light but some darkness so that dark shadow doesn't, like, feel pain. Correct, right. You also have Kaminari with his... <laughs> like, like he just took an electronics district <laughs> from Japan and just just compressed it all into his room. Yeah. Because, God, it is just gaudy. Like, even, like, the classmates say that his room looks like something out of, like, a shopping mall. 
Yeah, it does kind of. Like, it's just got, like, random scattered crap everywhere. And it just makes it even funnier because you, like, you know he thinks this is cool. <laughs> this is what he thinks style yeah. is. <laughs> Looking like a fucking virgin megastore here. It does kind of. It does. <laughs> Although, I will give props to Saro. He had probably the most tasteful one of all. Oh, yeah. Because he had uh, Asiatic, uh, Indian-styled uh, art yeah. uh, all ranged around his room. I... Give major props to Saro. You have fine artistic sense, my man. Oh, for me, uh, I love Kirishima's manly room of mandom. Like, you know, this is his big man room with, like, his workout equipment. You know, he keeps his fight milk here, his workout gear there. You got the Ass Pounder 4000 in the corner right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Pierce Brosnan on, like, yeah. singing, like, mandom. Yeah. <laughs> And every man dumb <laughs> for the true man's world. <laughs> you know he like plays that before he goes to sleep. Oh yeah, definitely. And also uh, Hagakure with a great line while seeing Kirishima's room where she says, "If I found out my boyfriend had a room like this, I'd dump him." <laughs> oh, just, that's harsh. Burn. <laughs> And then uh, other rooms, there's also uh, Todoroki with his, uh, who completely remodeled his entire room into a very nice looking uh, Japanese aesthetic kind of deal here. And he remodeled it so quickly and his reasoning is just like, you know, hard work. <laughs> I love that little explanation. <laughs> like, it's just, it's it, like, it's just so natural to him. Yeah. It's wonderful. Also, uh, I gotta say, I love Jiro's uh, super punk rock room. I think that's really dope. Oh, it's so metal. It's like, you know... Throughout this entire summer series, I've come to the realization that out of all the 1A girls, I have to say, Jiro has the best style. Like, she's just so effortlessly cool. Mmm, she does, Like, you know, when we, in the movie podcast, we talked about how, like, her uh, formal wear was, like, really cool with, like, the leather jacket over, like, the dress and everything. She really does know how to style and accessorize. She knows exactly what kind of aesthetic she goes for, and she nails it better than any other girl. Yeah, like, I love all the 1A girls, but, like, when it comes to style, Jiro is, like, the best out of all of them. I know. Jiro, you have got it. But, in the end, the official best room of 1A goes to our sugar boy, Sato. Sato! Because, of course, he bribed all of the uh, girls with chiffon cake. Yeah, his room had cake, and hey, there's no beating cake. But God, that's... that's Hey, give him, give him credit, though. That is pretty nice, that he gets to bake in his room. Yeah. And he gets to try out brand new recipes to help power his quirk. Yeah. Because you never know, maybe experimentation will lead to something new with his power. And you know, hey, if you make, you make a lot of cake, you're going to have leftovers, and like, you know, why not share it with your classmates and friends? Yeah, why not? Share it with some of uh, Yamamo's tea, you know? Yeah, with, oh, with definitely. Her, with her rich girl tea. <laughs> and everybody can eat it on her big-ass bed. Her big-ass bed that, like, completely covers her entire room's <laughs> floor space. That 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 almost took the cake for worst room for me because <laughs> of like the big ass bed because God knows I would have hated that I would have absolutely hated that because I hate clutter like that. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed the scene and I can't get enough of one a bonding and especially after what happened in the show, I felt like they really needed this. And also special shout out to Coda's Bunny because he nearly sweeped the game with that. Oh yeah. But, you know, who probably didn't have the best room is uh, Mineta, because we never got to see it. And, we you know, never get to see Mineta's room. You know, he's kind of, like, creeping on the girls, going, like, hey, 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 girls, why don't you come on into my room? It's okay. Uh, feel free to take off your shoes, too, if you want to. It's, 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 it's all good, you know? Okay, so quick question right here before we go forward. What do you think Mineta's room looks like? And, f and for an ancillary question, what do you think is in it? Porn everywhere. Porn everywhere. You know, That's got, what you think? He's got, like, multiple laptops open to, like, clipsforsale.com and everything. You know, it's, just, 
Just left that all open, you know, he lets it all hang out. He's got open magazines of, like, Playboy and Penthouse all over the place. He has at least three fleshlights under his bed. You know, he's got, like, those, like, JAV uh, Japanese porn DVDs with, like, the really long titles that are, like, isekai titles. <laughs> He's got at least one bad dragon dildo because you because because he, as he would argue he wanted to and I say this in quotation marks experiment a little. <laughs> I bet she has he has like an uh, an American porn DVD because you know he's probably thinking all like yeah yeah Japanese porn's all cool and all but they they pixelate all all the good stuff like why do they pixelate out the the vagina and all that crap? You know, <laughs> you know Americans know where, how to do with their porn, man. He's got big titted figurines everywhere. Oh yeah, he's got like he's just got like those like you know like several anime you've never heard of he's got like those like uh sexy you know uh horror movie villains you know like sexy freddy krueger sexy jason those like bishojo figures all over the place his his room is essentially all in one like the like an image of uh hentai woody (laughs) (laughs) that you find online of like that woody uh bootleg toy (laughs) that has the really creepy like a horny face. Yeah. <laughs> His entire room is just the the embodiment of that. It's an incel's wet dream. It is it is an incel's wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank God no one went into his room, and thank God Sero, like, wrapped him up in his tape while they were all checking out the rest of the rooms. Yes, so, thank God. So we can't get loose. So it's getting late, but before everyone turns in for the night, there's still one more thing that needs to be taken care of. Uraraka calls out Deku, Ida, Todoroki, Yamamo, and Kirishima to come outside. Waiting for them is Sue, who was conspicuous by her absence during the room contest. Sue has something to say, and I'll splice you the scene. So, uh, where are we going? Right here. Sue said she had something she wanted to tell everyone. You guys know I'm pretty straightforward and always speak what's on my mind. But sometimes, I don't know. I'm at a loss. Remember what I said back at the hospital? When you were talking about the rescue? Going after Bakugo would break the rules. That means you'd be acting like villains, not heroes. Yeah, every word. My heart was hurting, and the things I said must have upset you. It's okay, Sue. Despite my warning, you still went and saved Bakugo. I didn't know that until this morning. I thought I'd stopped you, but it turns out I was worthless, a complete failure, and suddenly I had no idea what to say. I didn't think I deserved to joke around and have fun with everyone like usual. But it made me so sad to be without you. That's why I wanted to talk to you, even if I'm still not sure how I'm supposed to be feeling. I wanted you to know so we could hang out and talk and have a good time again. It's not just you who thinks that. Everyone felt pretty bad and wanted things back the way they used to be before. That's why we did the room contest. To bring us closer together and make us feel like a class again. It's all we could come up with, so please don't think we were trying to trick you or anything. Look, what I'm saying is... Let's all work hard at our training and be good friends again, okay? Sue! I'm sorry! Thanks for telling us how you feel! It's okay! I apologize. You shouldn't feel bad. Uh, Sue... Sue... Listen, I won't make you sad again. (laughs) Me either. We promise. That's right. Everyone wants things to go back to normal. 
We need our lives to feel stable, even though so much has changed and will keep changing. It's our duty to make each other better, stronger, so we can become heroes together. Deku bra, Ida bra, Todoroki bra, Yamamo bra, Kirishima bra, you're making Sue cry, brah! Oh, why you gotta make Sue cry? Uh, what do you think of the scene here? I imagine this turned the this churned the hearts of anyone out there, seeing Sue cry and get so emotional over her friends. It's the worst sight ever. You, you expect her to be kind of cool and happy, but not crying. It's sad. like you're watching a sin unravel before you, it's making like, Sue cry. It's like you expect to see that one, uh... That one uh, memeable picture of, like, the little kid holding up a tissue to a TV screen and, like, on TV, it's Sue. Aww, yeah. Because she was so worried about her friends before. Yeah, she, like, she felt bad for what happened. She did what she could to try to stop them from going to save Bakugo, but they did it anyway, and she kind of felt a little helpless, like they didn't listen to her. Yeah, like she could have stopped them to yeah. some degree. Yeah, in a way, you can see that she kind of felt a little betrayed by her friends, you know, and she just wanted the things to go back to the way they were. You know, she's all like, I wish we could all get along like we used to in the first semester. I wish we could all bake a cake filled with rainbows and smiles and everyone would eat and be happy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they apologize to her for making her cry and promise to do better, get stronger, and be a unified 1A once again. And they're all the stronger for it. And so, on to the next episode, create those ultimate moves. So, with the dorm situation out of the way, it's time for our 1A kids to focus on the thing the teachers had hoped to use the training camp for before the Leaguey Weegy stepped in and ruined that, and that's prep the kids for their provisional license exam. What is a provisional license? It's what allows the students to act as heroes and use their quirks in real-life situations, so think like a hero version of like a learner's permit to drive. Yeah, that is pretty much what it is. I think what essentially it means is... Um... Yeah, if if you if you end up seeing a crime committed by a criminal or a villain or something, it means with with that provisional license, you can interject and stop that crime, acting as a sort of uh, in the moment almost uh, kind of deputized hero. Yes. Uh, it also allows you to do other things as well, such as uh, operating under other heroes as an official hero, so long as you are operating under their jurisdiction. Yeah, which, like driving, you know, you can drive as long as you have a licensed driver over 18 next to you. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple in concept. So how is 1A going to prepare? By coming up with ultimate hero moves, you know. You need to think of your signature finishing maneuver that's unique to you and your brand of heroing. You need something like a Superman punch or a V-trigger or an RKO out of nowhere. Now, the... This... <laughs> Super moves, as they're also called in other ways, and I refer to them as super moves. Uh, I think that's how they tend to be called in other translations, too. I think more of the official translations outside the anime. But anyway, uh, super moves make me laugh a little bit, <laughs> because this is just the explanation as to why Horikoshi can have his characters blurt out move names <laughs> because i swear to god i looked on the wikipedia the other day and every move that has ever been shouted out and named is <laughs> a super move every time all might uttered out the name of his attack texas smash california smash uh, detroit smash every single one of those is actually considered a super move and when i learned that it sounded so dumb to me because <laughs> it's like um, okay, like, whatever, I guess, whatever, he wants to have his fun and name his moves, so might as well 
make a fancy name for it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, once I realized that, I'm just like, oh my god, that is such a blatantly stupid way to get across how you have people naming out their moves. <laughs> it just made me laugh. But hey, at least he comes up with, like, a kayfabe reason in story, you know? It's not like, say, regular shonen where, like, they just do it for no reason. Yeah, that's true. Like, at you least kind of sh- accept it when, you, like, you know, Goku says Kamehameha or Luffy says Gum Gum Pistol. Yeah, you accept it, like, unconditionally. Yeah, because it's shonen. It's what they do. But here, they kind of give you a reason for it. I will say there is a... L- they do at least clarify there's a little bit more... Like you said, like, like as it's been clarified in the anime, this is... Super moves are more something that you unleash in order to uh, have a specialized way of taking on certain enemies. So, you know, I would say Horikoshi does a good job of clarifying that here. So the kids hero up and meet in Jim Gamma, otherwise known as the Training Dining Land, or TDL for short. So first we had USJ, or Universal Studios Japan, and now we have TDL, a.k.a. Tokyo Disneyland. <laughs> Uh, next time we'll train in Jim Delta, which is known in some circles as Training Dying Sea, said to be the greatest training facility on the planet, filled with state-of-the-art technology that'll make its American counterparts pale in comparison. <laughs> yeah, the original Dining Land in California and Dining World in Orlando are great and all, especially with all the new Star Wars stuff, but it's nothing compared to the Japan ones, you know. Dining California Adventure is considerably weak sauce in comparison. Sure, it's gotten way better over the years, but it's still got a long ways to go. Maybe that whole new Marvel expansion can really raise the bar for them. Watch them unveil later on some sort of, like, robotic hero companion called Epcot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, enough of me showing off how much of a theme park nerd I am, and let's get to work. One of the big reasons the kids need to come up with ultimate moves, and like you said, is to prepare for, like, the practical exam and use them for, like, practical uses, and the provisional license exam is going to be the most practical of practical exams. Heroes need to be ready for anything, and they need to have ultimate moves as it's basically their secret weapon. And also, it doesn't have to be an attack, but it just needs to be something that a hero can use in a pinch to save the day. Anything that gets you gives you an extra edge over your foe, that can be a super move. Yes. Doesn't even have to be an attack or anything. Yeah, just something that you can use like when you really need it to like get that edge. Dodge roll! Dodge roll! Yeah, dodge roll. basically. What was that? Hey, it's my super move, dude. <laughs> why are you why are you blame why are you get my on my ass about it? It's my dodge roll move. Uh, then, like, uh, the sequel happens and you forget it for no reason. Precisely. (laughs) Also, in addition to coming up with uh, ultimate hero moves, the students should also think of ways to improve their hero costumes, considering they should have a better idea on on how to use their quirks better now, and they should make any of the necessary adjustments. 1A is hard at work at doing all sorts of intensive training and thinking up ultimate moves, and one of the bits I like from uh, the kids trying out different moves is uh, my girl Mina trying out to do uh, an acid Kamehameha, basically. Like, she even does, like, the whole hand movement, too, but the acid Oh, just yeah, kinda... I noticed that. Yeah, she tries to do a Kamehameha. But it just kind of, like, spoots out and falls forward. So instead, she tries to, like, make, like, a hose motion with, like, her hands. Yeah, that way she can shoot out further. So all the other students are trying out some move ideas, and then All Might stops in to give each student some advice to help them out a little. It's brief, but I do like seeing All Might try to help out some of the other kids in addition to helping out Deku, you know? Yeah, because before he didn't really get down on the ground and uh, really uh, give, like, face-to-face advice to any of the students before, really. Then again, they also clarify that All Might is not a natural teacher. (laughs) He never went to school for teaching experience or anything, so he's just kind of here because of he's, like, an alumni, you know? Yeah, and there's also a great bit where, like, Aizawa's noticing how good All Might's suddenly getting at teaching. He goes like, oh, what's... What's the deal with All Might here? And then he notices in All Might's back pocket that he just has, like, a Teaching for Dummies book. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's like okay now he tr- yeah now he tries to be a good teacher yeah now he tries to really put in the effort hey man and like you're no longer the symbol of peace and saving people like uh 10 times a day you gotta do something to fill your time up with so like hey reading a book about teaching might as well do that huh chapter three designing a syllabus <laughs> <laughs> So, as we were talking about Deku, so speaking of him, he was having a hard time thinking up his ultimate move. He's already really strong, but he still has his limitations. Man, if only Melissa's big dog gauntlet didn't get didn't break in the uh, movie, you know, he'd be set no problem. Damn you, Wolfram! <laughs> He's still... He, she's gotta owe him one, another one of those someday. Yeah, I gotta make another one of those. All Might does give Deku some advice to help him out a little. He tells him that he needs to think for himself, and he's still trying to think of himself as just another All Might, you know. Stop thinking about what would All Might do, but instead think of what would Deku do? What would you do? So later on, Deku heads to the development studio to possibly plus up his costume. Then he bumps in to our favorite pink-haired support item-loving gremlin, Hatsume. Well, bumps as in she literally explodes right into him. And an awkward moment as Uraraki and Ida just so happen to stop by the development studio at the same time to see the explosion and Hatsume is lying chest first into Deku. And then Uraraki is going like, Deku, what's going on here? What are you doing? What's with Hatsume? Oh, you know, just having some cleavage pushed up against me. And uh, I love how upon seeing Deku, Uraraka, and, and Ida, Hatsume d- doesn't remember any of them from the sports festival, despite teaming up with two of them during the cavalry battle and fighting one of them in, like, the uh, the combat. You realize her portion. whole life is just going a mile a minute, so she can't remember anything. <laughs> she has the attention span of a squirrel, basically. Yeah, like, Ida brings up how he, he fought her, and, like, she used them as, like, a walking advertisement, and she's all like, Never heard of you! <laughs> You know. It's the enthusiasm she puts towards that yeah, you know. as she blows him off. <laughs> yeah, Hatsume doesn't live in the past. It takes away from the now. Right, right. And great line reading from Alexis Tipton here as when Hatsume sandbags the group to go back to work, she says, I'm busy developing new babies, so bye! Mmm, she gets her across so well. So perfect. But Deku says he's here to improve his costume, and those seem to be the magic words as Hatsume is now all ears. Also, we get a little help from Power Loader as well. Deku needs something to take the strain off his body, and Hatsume gets a good idea of this by, uh, feeling him up, you know, trying to check out his muscles, you know, get a good feel of his beef. Oof, what is with support Pete with support item people in personal space? They just don't, they just don't know it. At least ask before you massage someone's pecs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do find out that uh, Deku is a lot more muscular than he looks now. You know, it's all that, uh, it's all those fights and all that, uh, dumbbell lifting. Right, he has improved, yeah. though he hasn't seen it. Yeah, how heavy are the dumbbells he lifts? So, Hatsume has Deku try out some of her babies, but they don't seem to work for him. And, uh, I like while this is happening, Ida is, like, uh, sneaking away and trying to ask Power Loader quietly about for, uh, some of his costume adjustments without Hatsume noticing, but she notices him anyway and tries to have him test out one of her babies. Right, it's just a little moment where we have a few little antics here in which the joke is Hatsume is uh, a little bit too quick to share some way too powerful support items. And you know Ida is totally traumatized by like this because, you know, of what happened at the sports festival. He doesn't yeah, want to try... Yeah, he has experience with this. He doesn't want to try any more of her babies at all because he like he got enough of that during that 15 minutes at the sports fest yeah he don't need any more of that it's the longest 15 minutes of his life right there <laughs> so she has Ida put on some uh, jet boosters on his arms but that's not even what he wants you know his quirk is in his legs therefore he wants to focus on improving just his legs but then Hatsume brings up a good point that uh, this is the point of this uh, little baby right here focusing on your uh, arms will allow you to let your legs rest 
That way you can still stay in the fight. And then, light bulb goes off in Deku's head. Hatsume's words have given him the answer to his problem. Deku puts his new idea into motion, and four days later, he now has a brand new costume ready to go. So while testing out his ultimate move, Bakugo ends up breaking a piece of a cement wall, and it goes flying towards All Might. But All Might is saved by the new and improved Deku. He's got braces on his arms to alleviate some of the strain, but he's also got braces on his legs too. Deku's no longer imitating All Might by just focusing on his arms. He's now using his one-for-all powered-up legs as well. Yeah, with like metal soles too to really increase the impact on his foes. Yeah. So, introducing one-for-all, full cowling, shoot style. It's literally just Midoriya using his legs. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, great. like, I, the, I, I heard this new special move, or super move, it's just a change up of style, and it's like, he, he just uses his legs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you can name it. I guess. Yeah. You know? Izuku Midoriya, king of shoot style. Yo! But yeah, this is so fucking smart. Like, Deku's just been breaking his arms a lot, you know, but he just remembers, like, oh, one for all is coursing through my entire body. I got legs, so why not use them? Yeah, I guess it was only a matter of time before he would realize this, that he can use both his arms and his legs. Yeah, and it's also something that you kind of never really think about with, like, say, superheroes in general. Like, they're all upper body, they're all punchy. Like, you never really notice superheroes kicking all right, too much. Right, the image of a hero punching is way more iconic than a hero kicking. Yeah, like, do you, do you see Superman kick anyone? No. Do you see Captain America kick anyone? Once in a while? The Flash, even though his gimmick is running, you don't see him. You don't see him kick very much. No, if heroes are all upper body, they don't have any leg strength. They skip leg day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just the way we've kind of been conditioned to see heroes after so long. You know that Superman image is like so ingrained in our thoughts and memories that we imagine that heroes traditionally have to be uh, top heavy. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Deku thought that as well. Like he just thought, like you know, it's it's the hero thing. You got to punch. You got to use your arms. Legs are just for walking and running. Yeah, we're near. Yeah, we're we're like at the clo yeah we're like at the close of 2019 now. <laughs> like we we can have heroes that can actually you know use have different body types and use their powers in different kinds of ways. You know, heroes can kick. Yes, they can kick. <laughs> it is not hard. They can use their their powers and bodies in different ways. You know, Kevin Feige, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, like, if you want some new uh, innovative ideas for the MCU, have your heroes kick more. Yes, have them kick more. You know, if you want the event, you know, if you're going to bring in, like, say, Galactus to be the next Thanos, you know, have the Avengers, have the Avengers defeat him by, like, you know, doing a can-can kick line. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and also bring in Miss Marvel already. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so on to the next episode, The Test. Let's talk a bit more about The Test as we get some added info. So, UA won't be the only school taking the test, as they'll be joined by students from the other hero schools from around the country. Another thing is that it's pretty uncommon for first years to take the test, so 1A is going to have a have to deal with uh, second and third year students who have been training for this moment longer than they have. Mm, that is true. And on top of that, it's a mystery as to what exactly is on the test and what quirks the other students will have. When the teachers really big up how important and intense this provisional license exam is, like, they're doing it for good reason, like, it's a big, big deal. Because if, if you don't ace this one test, then it typically means you got to wait a year to do it again. Yeah. And who wants to do that? Yeah. Before we get to the exam itself, I want to talk about uh, this little cute scene with Uraraka and the other uh, 1A girls start to figure out that she's possibly in love. 
You know, they're tired from the uh, day of training, and then Uraka's kind of uh, looking outside at Deku, and, like, Mina kind of notices, saying, like, hey, Ochako, why are you blushing? And she's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not blushing. And then he's like, ah, you're in love. He's like, what? Glove? Shove? Duff? Never seen one. You got a crush, girl. Oh, man, I bet it's Kaminari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That stupid personality is totally a turn on. You love those thumbs up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, come, oh, come on, why not Sugar Daddy Sato? Yeah, he bakes you a cake. He bakes you a cake? How is he not hunk material? Yeah, oh man, he's so handsy. Oh my god, yes. But and also we get to see her kind of like, uh, you know, she's burying her face in her hands and that causes her to float herself up in the air with her quirk. It's, oh, it's adorable. It's adorable. But of course she looks out longingly at Deku. Oh, uh, just, you can just hear like, you know, the oh, I love it when he, I love it when he rambles to himself. I love it when he mutters and so quietly, <laughs> he trains so hard. <laughs> and so the day of the test has arrived. Where is it being held? To get to the testing location, you must run, run, run to Dagobah. Run to Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, the Dagobah uh, stadium, arena. Yeah. <laughs> also, another possible theme park reference here, as the arena kind of looks like a cross between Space Mountain and Disneyland Star Tours from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is Horikoshi secretly a theme park nerd? Okay, this 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 is this doesn't pertain to this arc whatsoever, and this isn't much of a spoiler for later on, but I gotta say this right now because I just didn't even realize the like incredibleness of this. But there does exist a company within this world called, and I kid you not, Feel Good Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> Horikoshi loves his pop culture references in regards to like buildings and companies. Oh my god. <laughs> Feel Good Inc. Jeez. is an actual company <laughs> in My Hero Academia. Oh my god, Horikoshi. Oh man. My 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 villain academia, that arc. Just <laughs> wait for it. Just wait for it. Coming soon. And then Oh my god. We meet him. As 1A is getting psyched up for the test, they do a little go beyond plus ultra. And someone else joins in with them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hero fans of all ages, Shiketsu High School proudly presents to you, my boy, my ultimate, my hero boy. This is Inasa Yoarashi, played by ah, another boy, my voice acting boy, Matt Shipman. It's a boy. It's a boy within a boy. Boyception right here. It's like four <laughs> boys in one. So I know you explained this to me just previously tonight over dinner, but can you please explain to our listeners here, why is Inasa Yorashi such a boy to he's you? He's fucking awesome in every single way. A, he's great. B, well, I don't need to be because the A was so great. <laughs> but no, he's, he's so filled with passion. He's just so happy. He loves everything. He just does everything with like such exuberance and enthusiasm like when he joins him with the uh go beyond plus ultra you know the other 1a students are all like hey what's the deal with this guy why'd you join in with us and he goes like ah i'm terribly sorry and then he bows but he bows so hard he smashes his own head into the ground and he bleeds but like he doesn't stop smiling he just keeps going and takes it in stride you know he's just that happy and passionate and he just loves doing everything with a smile on his face and just giving it 110%. Okay, you convinced me. He's, he's boy material. <laughs> he is such a boy. Just like, as soon as I saw him, I'm just like, get out of my dreams and into my boy stable. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll splice you in his introduction, because of course I will. 
All right. I can't wait to be a heroic chicken. Let's call out the usual, you guys. On my mark. Go plus ultra! You know, it's pretty rude to barge into other people's huddles like that, Inasa. What? Pardon me. I am so very extremely sorry! Who is this guy? I do not trust his enthusiasm. It's him. Hey, look at their uniforms. They're from that famous school on the other side of Japan. Yue in the east, Shiketsu in the west. Of all the hero courses out there, the one at this elite school actually rivals Yue's. Shiketsu High! I wanted to say it just once! Plus Ultra! See, I really love Yue High School! I am extremely honored to compete against such incredible students! I'm so looking forward to it! Oh, blood. Let's go. Inasa Yuarashi. Do you know that guy, Mr. Aizawa? Indeed. He's strong. <gasps> He's the I same like year as you all, and received the top scores for students admitted through recommendations. But for some unknown reason, he turned down his acceptance to UA and went to Shiketsu. Wait, he's our age? If he had the top scores for those with recommendations, then he must be even better than Todoroki. Inasa Yoarashi from Shiketsu High School. And he's not the only one getting formally introduced here as Aizawa runs into an old friend of his. Deku says she looks familiar, and he's right, as eagle-eyed viewers may recognize this woman from the sports festival crowd. Yeah, she was technically there. Yeah, she was wearing a gas mask at the time, but this is the same woman. Had coughing problems at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but this here is Miss Joke, played here by Amber Lee Connors. Uh, what do you think of Miss Joke here? Ooh, she's kind of a waifu for me. <laughs> I, I would assume she would have been one of your girls. <laughs> She's very likable, like uh, a hero whose power is that she makes other people laugh with jokes. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. That's really adorable. And I love her dynamic with Aizawa because Aizawa like, nullifies her quirk with his quirk so that he doesn't laugh at her jokes or anything. Yeah, I just, like that a lot. She desperately tries so hard to make him laugh, like so much so that she's fallen in love with him and just wants to marry him. <laughs> No, 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 no. Well, I should clarify. She she only says that stuff as, like, jokes oh, okay. to, like, get him to laugh. She but, doesn't actually want to bang him or anything. <laughs> but I do like her saying, like, hey, come on, you should marry me. Your days will be filled with laughter if you're with me. Yeah, those kinds of jokes sound so much like Japanese comedian jokes to me. And then At I, least they sound similar to, like, what I've heard of, like, other kind of, like, uh, gags uh, whenever uh, Japanese uh, comedy is kind of referenced. I think that's what's kind of being referenced with her a little bit. Yeah. I love whenever Aizawa just sandbags her. She just, like, laughs so hard. She does, like, the spit take thing. And she goes, like, oh, racer, you're wild card, you. Aizawa is her ultimate foe. Her fate, her mortal enemy. It's basically if Batman and the Joker were, like, kind of a cutesy couple, in a way. Yeah, a little bit, I would say. You know, Miss Joke looks at her and looks at Aizawa and says, like, you need me, you know, one bad day and you're, and you're just like me. I know there's nothing going on between the two, but God, I want them to smash. <laughs> I so, so, so want them to, like, just get it on. <laughs> if I can be candid for a moment. <laughs> and I just love the little moments that they have during this arc where they're sitting next to each other and she's just, like, doing, like, little small jokes. Like, she's looking over and saying, like, hey, Eraser, your fly is down. <laughs> She tries to pull the, the bubblegum snap trap yeah. gag on him. And I saw he's right through that. He's all like, I know that's going to like hurt my fingers when I when I pull it. <laughs> and then she pulls out like a real stick of gum anyway. So 
Oh, please give a standalone chapter with these two. They're like a comedy duo. Please, I want to see their past together because like they 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 knew each other from like years ago. Uh, I think currently in Vigilantes, the they're actually covering a little bit of Aizawa's past actually when he was a student. Ooh. So they might actually delve into that a little bit. All right. So Miss Joke here is with her students from Ketsubutsu Academy who, just like Inasa, mark out at the site of 1A, and they believe it's because all the recent events and all, all the other schools think of 1A as celebrities, and soon enough, they'll find out that's not entirely the case. No, not at all. It's time for exam orientation as we get the skinny on the test from a man so tired and uninterested he makes Orange Cassidy look hyper by comparison. This here is Yokomiro Mera, played here by Kenny Green. We find out that there are over 1,500 people taking the test, but only 100 of them will pass. It's basically to make sure that the people who pass are the ones who really want to be heroes because they want to protect people and make a difference. You know, ever since the incident with Stain, society needs heroes like this more than ever. You know, not heroes going out there for the glory. Heroes who want to be heroes to be heroes. Correct. They need high quality merchandise out there on the market. <laughs> so they need to really cull the herd, you could say. <laughs> so what are the rules of the test? Participants will need to place three targets on their bodies. They can go anywhere as long as that part of the body is exposed, so no, under the armpits or soles of your feet or anything like that. And you will need to throw balls. No, not Mineta balls. You need to throw regular balls at these targets, and when all three light up, you're out. And the person who lights up the third and final target gets the credit for your defeat. You need to take out two people in order to pass and move on. And the test will take place in a stadium that has all different kinds of terrains. You have like a city, you have a mountainous area, you have like a little lakeside area, you have like an industrial area. So you can pick, you can really pick your poison here. So the test is officially underway and we find out why the other schools have taken an interest in 1A. It's because the other schools know exactly what their quirks and weaknesses are due to one thing, the sports fest, because it was broadcasted nationwide so everyone knows everything they can expect from UA, so it's a bit of a tradition with the provisional licensing exam. All the other schools go after UA to start the exam. Oh, maybe having a sports fest broadcast to the entire world to have your students show off their quirks wasn't a good idea entirely. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, UA's probably thinking like, huh, put our students at a disadvantage during their licensing exams or publicity. The futures of our students or a shitload of money. Yeah, and this is like Super Bowl money right here. Olympics money. Eh, I'll go with the money. To be f Well, f fuck it. They're not going to get that budget from the government. They're not going to get their budget from the government. No, what school does? <laughs> <laughs> How do you think those dorms got paid for? <laughs> <laughs> taxes. The hand thing means the taxes. Oh, money, 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 money. <laughs> but, you know... Our 1A kids aren't going to lay down for these numpties, and that's because of all that intensive training and numerous villain attacks. They're ready for just about anything these guys can throw at them. Yeah, they should not underestimate UA right here. So on to the next episode, Shiketsu High Lurking. Ketsubutsu Academy kicks off with their initial attack on UA. During this, we get to see many of their students' quirks. First we have Shikui Makabe, played by... Who's that super fly muscle pumper? <laughs> it, 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 it's Brad Hawkins of Comic Jumper fame. Ah, nice. Yeah, same actor. <laughs> and his quirk is stiffening, which means he can harden anything he touches. Make your own joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can't, well, he can't do it in anything. Well, like, the joke can only go so far because he can only harden uh, things that are inorganic. Yeah. Non-living, so. <laughs> hmm. Then there's 
Itojiro Totoki, played here by Lee George with the quirk Boomerang. He can throw objects in any trajectory at stupidly ridiculous aim, and he does so by throwing the balls that go underground and still manages to get towards uh, UA. So he's Vanderdecken from One Piece. Exactly Vanderdecken. Yeah, exactly Vanderdecken. Ate the Mark Mark fruit, and now he's going to go after a hot mermaid princess. <laughs> no, no, this guy right here, he seems like he has a lot more style. He's got a lot more grace. He's a lot cooler. Yeah. We meet another student and potential Bakugo fangirl, judging by her hairstyle, in Tatami Nakagame, played here by Krista McGuire, with her quirk, Telescopic, which allows her to retract in her own body like a turtle. Kind of gross looking. Not really. There's way grosser quirks out there, in my opinion. But still, it's like... You're As we're about to see. <laughs> still, like, you're going inside your body. It's a little weird. I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. I like to call her Turtle, gir turtle Girl. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> We don't know her hero name at all in the series yet, but that's just my name for her. Turtle Tatami. Ah, there Turtle Tatami. And then there's Yoshindo, played by Bryce Pappenbrook, with the quirk Vibrate. Basically think Avalanche from the X-Men. Mmm, that is true. Also, I, I love that Horikoshi, uh, in his notes, actually said that he designed him specifically to be a pretty boy. Yeah. <laughs> and he found himself questioning, what makes a pretty boy? <laughs> and his discovery... Mostly the hair. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that spiky shonen anime hair. Uh, it is nice hair, though. It is. It is very nice. And also, as far as, like, English dub goes, if you want to be, like, a pretty boy, just be played by Bryce Pappenbrook. Oh, yeah, he is really, he is really nailing the market on pretty boys out there. You know, just, like, look at uh, Adrian in Miraculous Ladybug. He's, like, Cat Noir. The, the prettiest pretty boy. Oh, yes. So he uses his quirk to destroy the ground beneath UA in order to lower their defenses. Meanwhile, in the city terrain, it's my boy's time to shine. Inasa stands above on top of a building and uses his quirk, Gale Force, to whip up a twister to get a hold of everyone's balls, giggity, and sends them <laughs> right back at them, hitting all the targets and eliminating 120 jobber students. One correction, I believe his quirk is actually called Whirlwind. Gale, oh, really? Gale Force is his hero name. Ah, okay. Yes, so quirk, Whirlwind, Gale Force, hero name. Gotcha. And also, he eliminated all 120 of those students, all with all the passion in the world. Like, he's just so hyped. Like, I want Inasa to be my hype man in life. Yeah, when I saw this originally in the manga, I was quite impressed to see this guy take out that many students with one move. Yeah, and just so fast. It gets him across really well. Back with Deku and the rest of UA, they're all separated from each other thanks to Shindo going all Lance Ulvers on them. And he has no time to think about what to do next as he runs into one of Inasa's classmates of Shiketsu. This is Kami Utsushimi, played here by Brittany Karbowski, and at first glance, you can already tell she's super popular amongst My Hero fans. Oh boy, how is that costume allowed at her school? Yeah. I think they mentioned somewhere in the manga, too, that like she, she can't even like date people at her like school. Really? <laughs> is that like one of the school rules? Yeah, it's one of the school rules, no dating among students. Like, how could she wear a costume like that, then? <laughs> hey, maybe she, she thinks it's comfortable. Yeah, that is probably true. It is, it is nice and airy. Yeah. And uh, coming up, we're going to see why people will think she's super popular, and more reasons like why people like her in this arc. And also should mention that there's just, there's something about Kami here, Something's something seems kind of off. It's inner movements and also cadence of speaking. And it's probably nothing, probably the cat suit being a little too tight on her. Hmm, could be possible. But uh, thoughts on Kami here in this arc? Uh, I feel that I cannot comment on her very much. Because uh, of information we have not gotten to yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what we see so far. From what we see so far, uh, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> creepy and uh, kind of off-putting. Very, very unsettling. In a, in a familiar way. 
Deku tries to fight her, but he can't seem to keep an eye on her. She sneaks up from behind and pins him to the ground and gets way too close for comfort here. Like, Deku's probably internally screaming, I need an adult right now. Yeah. However, this moment of bad touch is interrupted by Ketsubutsu. Deku dodges all their attacks and then suddenly Uraraka shows up for some reason to help, but she's attacked, which causes her to fall off a ledge. Deku sees this and rushes to her rescue. He uses his shoot style to fend off enemy students and runs off with Uraraka carrying her princess style. They hide from the other students and it looks like we're gonna have another uh, Uraraka getting squishy over Deku moment. But surprise, motherfucker! It's actually Kami who used her quirk to disguise herself as Uraraka. But Deku did figure something was already up because uh, the real Uraraka would have been able to float herself to safety back there and she wouldn't have been too careless to, that she would expose her location to the enemy at that moment. As soon as, he, as soon as he carried her princess style, he must have thought, like, wait a second. The real Uraraka wouldn't let me do this. She wouldn't put herself in a situation where she would be carried around like this. Wait a second. What's going on here? You're not the independent best friend I know. You're not the best shonen girl in ages. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> are you Noelle from Black Clover? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get one in. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get one in. But Kami transforms into what she looks like before, and holy whoa, what happened to your clothes? You're practically naked. Oh, God. Luckily, she has a uh, smooth coming up for uh, naughty bits there. Well, that's that, that's a little bit, yeah, the, the ooze, but there's there's also like weird like shading around the rest of the parts of her body that are kind of like grayish. I don't know what that is, because in the manga, that wasn't there. Ah, that's something they added in only for the uh, broadcast version of the show when it was airing on TV as a bit of uh, censorship. Ah, I see. Implying that she has like a little skin suit under it, but uh, if you watch the uh, Toonami broadcast of this episode or... Uh, when the Blu-rays come out and you buy that, you'll notice that uh, that's not there. Mm, I was wondering what was going on with that. Yeah, so it's a bit of like, a, you know, too hot for TV. We need to like kind of uh, edit this a little bit. Even though like in all versions of the broadcast, she just looks like a Barbie doll. Yeah, she kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> but It's it, pointless. But hey, at least she has some shame here covering herself up. Right, right. It's like it's like any of the dumb censorship they've tried with like Fujiko Mine in the yeah. Lupin anime. Yeah. You know? It's pointless. <laughs> So Kami goes to attack Deku, but is cut off by Sero, whose uh, tape attacks doubles as a sensor bar for Kami. So very nice there, Sero. Yeah, very nice. And then he has a line here where he says, Hey, Midoriya, what's this enviable situation you're in? <laughs> <laughs> Just had to get that in, didn't you? And then Uraraka comes in for the save, too, and this causes Kami to retreat for now. And I like the moment afterwards where, like, uh, Deku's telling uh, Uraraka and Sero about what happened, and then he's like, Saying like, yeah, that girl transformed into Uraraka, and then she was naked, and then Sarah was all like, wait, what? You saw a naked girl, Midoriya? Tell me the details! It's like, th th she was just covered up! She, it's not like she was actually naked. She was disguised as Uraraka, was she naked too? <laughs> and then Uraraka just starts blushing, and, and then Doug's like, no, 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 she wasn't naked, no. Sarah, inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Chemical Plant Zone, Todoroki has his hands full with another group of enemy students. Yo, it's the ninja school, gonna rock the town, don't be a fool, have you ever seen a hero get down, slamming and jamming with the new swing sound, yeah, everybody let's move, ninja school is here too with the new jack groove, gonna rock, and roll the place with the power of the tungsten in your face, Shoto, you know I'm not playing, devastate the show while the heroes are saying, ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, 
rap. Go, 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 go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, 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 go. I fucking vibe. You know, any normal podcast would like made a Naruto joke right there, but nah, I go for the deep cut. I go for Vanilla Ice in the second Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, you are fucking evil. (laughs) (laughs) Please post those lyrics somewhere, because that was great. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I'll clip this and post it on Twitter. Lyrics attached to a photo of what you were referencing. Yes. (laughs) So on to the next episode, Class 1A. Vanilla Ice aside, these guys here are from Seijin Academy, and they figured out a way to block Todoroki's fire quirk by having the lead ninja use his enlarging quirk to send giant tungsten nuts and nails flying towards him. And since tungsten has a high melting point, Todoroki can't burn or melt them. Bet you guys don't remember that from high school science class. Even I didn't remember that. You also wouldn't remember this from the manga, because this fight right here is filler. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, I actually had to go back... Because there was a little bit I didn't remember about this arc from the manga, so I flipped through it uh, again recently. And uh, yeah, this isn't. Uh, ad- There's uh, two fights here that are actually added during this uh, during this uh, episode. Okay, I know the other one you're talking about, but I didn't know this one was also filler. Yeah, this one was filler. Also, really, this is a minor note, but like, really weird if this leader ninja guy and his quirk, because this is kind of one that will be that that quirk in particular, kind of will be canon later. Oh. But it won't be used by him. Okay. So, I fa- so that was something I found to be really odd. Like, that's maybe like an idea that an animator came up with, but didn't realize that that was already something Horikoshi planned. Yeah, like he didn't probably ask anyone, like saying, hey, did Horikoshi do, do this yet? Yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of, I thought that was really weird. Yeah. They bombard Todoroki with all kinds of attacks that specifically negate his fire and ice, so Todoroki combines his quirks to create some steam in order to get away for a sec. And then he comes up with an idea... He figures that this factory is authentic as possible, and he believes these large tanks are the real deal. So he lures the ninjas towards the tank and lights it up with his fire, causing the gas inside to burst. But it's not actually dangerous, it just kind of knocks him out a little. Oh my god, chlorine gas! (coughs) Toxic to everyone! (coughs) We're all gonna fucking die! (coughs) Shota, why would you do this to us? (coughs) Hey, survival of the fittest. You're as evil as your father! Don't you dare compare me to my old man. Hey, we can write filler, too. Yeah, there is. Hire us, Bones. So yeah, this gives Todoroki the opportunity to tag the targets, and he moves on. And all that before the title cards of this episode drop. So, nice work, Shoto. And uh, so I gotta check in on my boy Ienasa here, because it's been been far too long. It's been a hot minute. So Todoroki heads to the location where all the passing students are, and he sees Ienasa striking up a conversation with some random student. He's just so happy and passionate, but that happiness and passion drops as soon as he sees Todoroki. Inasa gives him the stink eye and then goes back to talking about whatever. He's like, oh, sorry, lost the happy, but the happy's back. <laughs> and now let's check in on the other UA students, specifically Yamamo, Jiro, Sue, and Shoji. They get trapped inside a building thanks to the students from Seiai Academy. Filler alert, filler alert, Yeah, this, incoming. This is also another uh, filler fight here. However, I will give a testament to Bones. When the push comes to serve, when push comes to serve, they do understand what makes My Hero Academia work well enough to make uh, decent, uh, to good filler. I would say. Yeah. So let's see why. So this rival academy has constructed an, in- an intricate plan that involves taking out each student's ability one after the other. They block off Jiro's earphones by playing loud music in between the walls to this, and then they also destroy her uh, little arm amps that she uh, got made before the exam. 
Then they close off the window so Shoji can't do any recon, and then they lower the temperature, causing Sue to go into hibernation since she's a frog and she's cold-blooded. And you know, they're all panicking like, you know, we need to get Sue some warmth here, and Shoji's all like, we need fire. Where's that handsome devil Bakugo? <laughs> Was was that needed? <laughs> no, but I guess now would be a good time to talk about how uh, Cliff Shapin directed some of these episodes when uh, the simuldub was airing. And uh, he uh, did some uh, funny little bloopers where it involves uh, characters constantly talking about Bakugo. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, you know, you have the scene with Inasa and Todoroki from before, and, uh, and Todoroki's all like, yeah, that guy's cool, but he's not as cool as Bakugo. And then Inasa's all like, hey, what are we talking about? Let's talk about Bakugo. And then there's like another. Clifford Shapin's one note, one note to the entire crew. Uh, one. Bakugo needs to be louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine. Two. Whenever Bakugo is not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, "Where's Bakugo?" Three. Greg, Greg, just leave them right there on the floor on your way out. He's a total fucking poochie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'll splice you in some of these bloopers because they're all great. <laughs> Keep attacking! Don't let up! Got it! If only I were Bakugo. He never has these problems. Bakugo's so cool and talented, and better than me. Who is this guy? This guy thinks he's all that, but he can't be Bakugo. I want to be like... Anyway, about Bakugo! Her body's going into hibernation! We need fire. Where's that handsome devil Bakugo? Kachan, 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 Kachan. Kachan, 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 Kachan. I see. It's frustrating that we can't tell who passes and fails in real time. You're just worried about Bakugo because he's your favorite. Heck, he's everyone's favorite. Yeah, Bakugo! I should get him to marry me! Anyway, let's meet the mastermind behind this plan. Introducing Psycho Intelli, played here by Jeannie Torado, who has the quirk IQ. After she drinks tea and closes her eyes, her already high IQ of 150 increases exponentially, and different teas have different effects, so her quirk is basically a Jimmy Neutron brain blast. Oh, that is such a clever idea that it makes me see... This, the, the entire idea behind this, like, girl gang of, like, heroes makes me almost, like, sad that this is, like, not canon, because this is, this is something that Horikoshi would totally write. Yeah, like, I remember when I watched this episode again, I thought, like, man, this, this psycho girl seems pretty cool, I, I wonder if she ever came back after this, but then I was disappointed to find out that, oh, this is, this is filler, this is only in the anime. But it's so cleverly written, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have guessed otherwise. Yeah, it's just like, man, she totally could have been one of my girls if she were canon. Because the ninjas, they the, the ninjas that Shoto faced were all kind of, like, g pretty generic. Yeah, they looked, like, Friggin' Power Rangers with their colored uniforms. But you can imply, like, some personality and dynamic from these, from this, like, girl school. Yeah, this girl, girl academy squad. and, like, how they, like, look up to Sai here and almost how, like, they almost seem like they have a crush on her or something, the way they blush at her. And right, they like, all fangirl over her. Yeah, like, this could totally work. I can totally see Horikoshi writing this. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of in a jam here, Momo. So what's the plan? And, uh, care to explain your, uh, girl's plan right here? My girl's plan here is to... Give, every, give all of her compatriots some headphones, create a giant amp, mu sound ampli amplifier, big uh, amp, you know, and blast music as loud as they can from Jiro's, head, from Hero, Jiro's earphone jacks to um, basically give every, all the women on the other side of the door a brain aneurysm yeah, <laughs> and render them all useless so that they can break through the door and apprehend them. 
And then after that, uh, Psycho tries to get get a fast one on Momo, but uh, 1A isn't going to leave their friend behind because that's not how 1A rolls. And they end up uh, defeating her and they all pass. They should have stole some of her tea too and drank some of it just to like rub it in. Oh, it'd be great if like like have a shot of them walking out of the building and they all have like uh, teas and cups with their pinkies out and they're all just sipping tea. Ah, the taste of victory. Good job, Psycho. I thank you very much. <laughs> As they got their pinkies out. Momo does like the uh, the posh, you know, bitch laugh. No. <laughs> <laughs> the anime bitch laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but she does it like, you know, ironically as a joke because that's fui, 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 fui. <laughs> to make fun of Psycho here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bakugo, Kirishima, and Kaminari end up on a bridge, and there they run into Seiji Shishikura of Shiketsu, played here by Stephen Fu, who takes out Kirishima with the power of his quirk Meatball which he can reshape flesh just by touching it, and he can also knead and remove his own flesh. Now this is gross looking. Now th- this, Horikoshi does actually consider this to be the grossest quirk he's made yet in the series. Yeah, it's just, ugh, skin's just all over the place, and he turns them into like weird squishy meatballs, like ugh. It's, yeah, it's gross. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But yet, apparently marketable, because like after this episode air, people like made like uh, official like, Pillows of like the Kirishima meatball. What? <laughs> that's a, so weird to me. Little, like stress pillows. The stress pillow that's like you know with Kirishima's hair sticking out in his shoes and his eye and it looks so gross and stuff. It's like ugh, I don't want it. I know. Who wants to be anywhere near that? Yeah, weird. a little ball, a little ball of meat that can still feel pain. I take a Daki Makara over like a Kirishima meatball. Oh God. So on to the next episode. Rush. We get a bit of Ketsubutsu Academy's new game plan. They're going to lay low for a while while the other schools go after UA. And while they're busy with them, Ketsubutsu is going to swoop in and take out the remains. And we also find out that Shino's not really the nice guy that you think he was, you know. Shall we say he's uh, kind of tactful. Crafty. An asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, whatever gets the job done. And it works. They pass and move on just by uh, picking up the scraps from uh, UA. Back with the uh, Bakugo fight with Seiji, we get uh, Seiji talking about how he doesn't like how Bakugo carries himself as a hero, and he's going to show him what true pride and heroism is. You know, bro, best genus couldn't make Bakugo into a proper hero. What makes you think you can? This guy does have some good style, comparable to uh, uh, genus in some way. I actually, it took me a long time to register that like part of his hero costume was a butcher schmuck. Oh, That's yes. what he's wearing on the front, That's the, what the schmuck is. of like a butcher. Also, the uh, gloves on his hands are actually partly uncovered so that he can detach his uh, parts of his body. Oh, yeah, that's right. Parts of his body and arms so that he can, like, uh, send them out and stuff. In fact, he keeps his arms behind, behind him. Behind his back at all Behind times. his back so that you can't tell which arm he is, like, disarming himself from. Yeah. So that he can pull a fast one on his opponent. That's actually smart. Yes. That is all. That is mostly stuff I kind of just inferred, actually. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's like, hey, show, don't tell, man. Right, exactly. That's that. It's 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 that really smart body language that Horikoshi uses. Yeah, it's like it's something you can like pick up on like a second or third viewing. You can go like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it is. Which is a lot of like what I I've noticed throughout this entire summer of Heroes arc. Just me picking up these little small things on like these on like the second or third viewing. I know it really it, it really makes you feel smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Seiji sneakily meatballs Bakugo, and now Kaminari is all alone. But then he gets his moment to shine. So, before he got meatballed, Bakugo tossed Kaminari a piece of his gear. It was a little mini grenade from his gauntlet, loaded with his nitro sweat. Kaminari tosses it at Seiji, and it makes it go boom. And then, uh, 
You know, when the time is just right, Kaminari uses his new and improved gear to accurately fire an electroshock right at Seiji because the grenade kind of attracted the shock, so it made the uh, bolt of lightning go right through him. Yeah, it was like a metal disc he fired out that he could attract a bolt of lightning to. Yeah, this was like part of his plan to like really uh, reinvent his costume because he wanted to be able to fire off his electricity without hurting his friends. That's how he's able to come up with this new gear. Very smart adjustment to his costume. Very smart. Very, very smart. Makes him way more useful now. Yeah, and also it's just really nice to see, like, a comedy joke character in Kaminari get a chance to do something cool. And he didn't fry his brain. Hey, cool is what he tries to go for, and cool is what he nailed here. This is the coolest moment he has thus far in the series. <laughs> CG gets weakened just enough that he loses his grip on Bakugo and Kirishima, and the two bros eliminate him. And so the hype bros and Charge Bolt move on. Back with Deku, Uraraka, and Sero, they end up taking out a bunch of students by combining Sero's tape and Uraraka's gravity. So they have Uraraka float boulders up into the air, but there's tape attached to them. So then she releases the boulders, causing the tape to come flying down and trapping all these students. Yeah, like a spider trap almost. Yeah, and that gives them the opening to kind of run in and then just tag all their targets. Meanwhile, Ida is looking for other UA students. He then finds Aoyama hiding like a huge coward. Aoyama wants to be left behind, but Ida's not going to let him sacrifice himself. As class rep, he's got to look out for every one of his classmates and make sure they're okay and they pass before he worries about himself and him passing. Rewatching this again made me realize just how sad of a character Aoyama is, kinda. He's kinda pathetic. Isn't he like the lowest ranked uh, student in the entire class? Yeah, like I remember at the sports fest, he like came in last in like most of the competitions. Well, in, in terms of grades too, isn't he like dead last? Yeah, that too. Yeah, he's like ranked 20th in the class. Mineta's somehow better than him. Mineta's somehow better than Aoyama. Like when Grapist is better than you, you know you're not a good student. I know, and Aoyama is just Cyclops, except with his belly button. You would expect better out of him. He's better Cyclops. I know, and it's it's it was also that sad realization that he is kind of a coward, too, despite his personality. Yeah, because that was, like, another thing that happened during the uh, training camp arc where, like, uh, he hid in the bushes most of the time. I mean, granted, smart, because these are people that will actually kill you. Yeah. But, like, you know, but, again, you're comparing him to all the others who, like, showed, who were real go-getters during that arc. Yeah. And really tried to, you know, put one over on the villains. So, yeah, he was acting smart there, but... You know, we're starting to see that doesn't really translate well in, like, real life. You yeah, know? and also he feels like he should be doing something because, like, he's in one... Yeah, he is self-conscious about how he's not doing enough. That's, that's a really good thing. Like, this character who is, like, always about the spotlight and wanting to be, like, you know, the star of the show has, like, a lot of, like, you know, self-anxiety about himself. Yeah, like he like he like he worries that he won't be able to really put himself over in the real world. You know, and like he, we get like a little flashback from him as like a little kid where he's like thinking about you know like why can't I stop sparkling? Why am I like this? But like you know, getting reassurance from like his parents saying like no, you are who you are. Mm -hmm. Be proud of yourself, Ayama. So we get an update from the uh, from the uh, test proctor that there's only ten spots remaining and only nine UA students left, so they still have a chance to pass altogether. Can I just say one thing about Mero here? He is an absolute total mood. He is. <laughs> this guy is just, it was just, his actor sells him so well as like this like overworked guy. I feel like his actor like probably ran like a marathon before like he came in to record so that he can just sound extra tired. Ooh, if I could ask him about that, I would actually ask what he did to psych himself up for yeah. this role. Or like, did he, did he get up at like three in the morning yeah, to record? Yeah, like, work, work so early? <laughs> And he gets in, like, some amazing, like, lines, too. Some, like, pretty good ones. Where he's just all like, and the next part of the exam is like, ugh, 
God, I need a coffee. Just... I think when after Inasa won, he like gets all like excited, like, "Wow, that was special enough to get me excited yeah. here." <laughs> Maybe the rest of you will be good enough to be as good as Inasa, so that you can all let me go to bed. Okay? Okay. <laughs> hey, that's the power of Inasa. He can make someone like Mero here like actually get excited about something. <laughs> that's the passion, man. There's some really good sarcasm to Mero that I like, even though he's a side character. Yeah, but it's just like, like you said, he's a mood. Like I can see myself on most mornings being just like Mera here. Mm, yes. Make a body pillow out of him so I can <laughs> sleep next to this man. Just spoon him and let him be so comfortable while he's just being so tired. Yes. I'd you pay, can be tired together. I'd pay money for that. <laughs> and now, Aoyama gets his time to shine. Literally. Just like with Kaminari, we have a character who's been mostly used for comic relief actually get to be awesome. Where, like, he uses his navel laser to shine, like, a beacon up into the air, and, like, he does this as a way to, like, you know, get all the enemy students' attraction to, like, so that UA can kind of sneak up on them, but that only causes uh, UA to jump in and say, like, hey, you called into us, this is, like, kind of a UA bat signal, sort of say, and then, like, we all come in and we all pass together. Yeah, yeah, like, everybody gets attracted to the light, and then everybody else, and all the other UA students just sneak up and uh, just take out the students that are going to the light. Yeah, and we also get to see some uh, ultimate moves in action. Like, we get to see a bit of uh, Hagakure using, like, light refraction on her body to, like, blind some people. We also get to see, like, uh, Tokuyami using Dark Shadow as kind of, like, uh, armor, so to say. Sue actually learned to camouflage herself like a frog. Like a real fro frog, yeah. And one of the few times I'll give Mineta credit, he actually learned to uh, combine his uh, uh, great pops together to make a little whip, actually, so that he can, like, defend himself somewhat. Some and actually get some better range. Somehow, he's useful <laughs> i feel so dirty saying that hey look it's like what i've said before he has the potential and also another thing that i really notice is that uh we see the montages of all the ua students like you know tagging their third targets and passing like uh one thing i notice is that uh ida was the last one so he makes good on his promise of making sure everyone passes before he does oh he even remembered that and also uh one of the other final spots goes to kami from shiketsu so she kind of snuck around and kind of won the uh won the day so to say here so 100 students have passed, and so ends the provisional license exam. Or does it? Yeah, that's uh, that's only phase one right only here. Only numer phase numero uno. But before we get to phase two, we're going to take a breather. So we'll, we'll be right back with the rest of the second half of My Hero Academia Season 3 and the finale of Summer of Heroes right after this.
This is the story of how I became the world's greatest hero. There's no way you're getting into the hero course without a quirk. Actually, they got rid of that rule. I could be the first one. I'm a normal kid without any powers. Could I ever hope to be someone like you? Opportunity. A chance to shine. <gasps> to show what you're really made of. I didn't think he had that kind of strength. It's him. That punch was amazing! It's already begun. I'm at the top. And they'll all be coming for me. Someone's gotta teach that worthless nerd how the world really works. Now for a lesson. You may have heard these words before. But I'll teach you what they really mean. Go beyond! Plus! Ultra! Episode Rescue Exercises. As the title says, Phase 2 is all about rescue. 
The remaining 100 students will have to perform a rescue operation within the destroyed ruins of the first phase setting. And the students will be scored by professional persons in need of rescue. Wonder what the uh, requirements are to get that kind of job. It'll either be old or dwarf. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of how that's framed in the manga, too. <laughs> yeah, like... A bunch of, like, dwarves acting like kids? It's weird. Yeah, because, like, they all have adult voices in the anime, too. Unless the, jo- unless the joke is, is that they're just, like, adults superimposed on, like, kids' bodies. And it's like they're such good actors that they can impersonate kids. Unless somebody out there is a quirk that can make other people look like kids. I don't fucking know. Or maybe they're like uh, that one eight-year-old girl from uh, the new Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, the little girl that uh, takes her uh, role in the little cowboy movie a little too seriously to the point where she doesn't tell Leonardo DiCaprio her actual name on set. Oh, maybe they are just actual kids, but like they're just like way more adult beyond their years. You know, they're method actors, you know. Don't call me pumpkin puss, you know, or else I'll slap your face off. Mmm, that could be true. <laughs> But before the second half of the test can get underway, Sero has some juicy deets to tell Grapist and Chargebolt. He tells them about Kami and Mineta is all like, Yeah, if you're talking about that hot chick in the cat suit, I already know, dude. I busted, like, sticks nuts ever since she showed up. Why do you think I wear this diaper, bro? <laughs> think this is for show? No, this is just so I can have my own boner. Don't want to be like Bert friggin' Ward from, like, the old Batman cartoon. I love how serious he takes it, too. Like, hey, you get, he's just like, he's just like, hey, you got the deets? Like, yeah, what? Whatever, like... See that hot chick over there? Yeah, whatever. I've, I've scouted her already. <laughs> <laughs> like, he means that serious business about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but then they get really jelly when they find out about Deku seeing her kind of sort of naked from before. And they just, like, all rush up to him going, like, what, what, what she, she was naked? Boy, just tell us the details, Midoriya. What the hell, man? <laughs> what, 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 what happened to bro code? Come on, bro code. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about, like, all the naked chicks you see. Can you blame him? It's not really common these days to talk about your sex life. Yeah. It's just kind of viewed as rude today. Anyway, Midoriya, how's your sex life? (laughs) It's very uncouth. (laughs) Uh, But uh, speaking of Shiketsu students, their passing students approach Yue about having a good relationship between their schools, and this is led by Cousin It. I mean, uh, Nagamasa Mora, played here by Randy E. Agibor. Ooh, he's probably a boy underneath all that hair. Definitely. It's just like, you look at all this big hairy, fucking Wookiee-looking kid, and just like, man, where did Horikoshi come up with this guy? Like, was he just watching, like, the Addams Family movie and just thought, like, ah, I want to make someone like that, like Cousin It. <laughs> but, you know, with all the talks of having good relationships between schools, uh, my boy Inasa has no time for a friendly relationship with Todoroki, as he doesn't like him, not one bit. And he also hates his dad Endeavor, too, to which I say, hey, get in line. Mm, Yeah. And considering how much Inasa loves just about everything and everyone, when he doesn't like someone, you know it's really serious, at least to him. So yeah, good to see a little bit of Shiketsu here. You ever, th- you, ever, you ever think Hairball over there? You ever think he just gets like, I don't know, this is a random thought. You ever think he just gets like people going like, hey, hey, I look over here, I look over here. <laughs> 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 that was great. <laughs> you ever think people just do that and piss just to piss them off? Hey, uh, Mora, how's your uh, family? Creepy and they're kooky? You know, are they uh, mysterious and ooky? All together ooky? <laughs> how's uh, uh, Uncle Fester there? You know, Wednesday doing all right? <laughs> how's your... Uh, How's your uh, mom, uh, Angelica Houston, you know? Okay, let's not bully this poor guy, okay? He has a hard enough life as it is. I'm pretty sure, like, 
going to like the barber shop is like fucking hell on earth with him. I know. What what do you what do you get for what do you get for a student when he already has a comb? <laughs> <laughs> well, now we get a little background story for the exam as it's a rescue operation taken underway as uh, terrorists attack the city and all these kids and old people are uh, you know trapped under rubble and it's your job as heroes to come save them. Ida leads Yue to the center of the city area while Bakugo and his damn extras, Kirishima and Kaminari, go off on their own. Yue has a little trouble starting out as uh, Deku panics a little when he sees an injured boy, aka little man, and the boy docks him some points for doing that. Heroes can't panic. They can't say, oh, this is bad, because they gotta be aware that these injured civilians are having the worst day imaginable, so, you know, you gotta... You gotta, you can't make things worse. You gotta like lift their spirits up a bit. Oh god, man, you're 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 just bleeding down the ground. My god, this whole situation's fucked, man. We're screwed. We're screwed. Game over, man. Game, Game over. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you 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 can't be what's his name, Shepard from yeah. Alien. <laughs> <laughs> but then Deku remembers All Might saving people from that old video he used to watch, and him proclaiming, "Fear not, for I am here." And then he understands that it's more than just a simple catchphrase. It's you need to give these civilians that reassurance that you are there. You are there to help them. You know, everything's going to be okay, which is basically kind of like what they do in real life. You know, if you're police or a firefighter, you know, you got to reassure a civilian saying like everything's going to be all right. I'm here for you. Yeah, that's kind of the emphasis of the second half of this exam is uh, showing that heroes are, well, they're, they're heroes second, but first responders more often than not first yeah and as such that ex that first responder experience is absolutely integral to be a hero yeah and i love the bit where uh, deku's carrying the uh little boy away and he's going he's going like it's all it'll be all right it'll be all right it'll be all right and the boy's like is that your only line he's like, i'll save you did you shut up <laughs> get some better lines get kid. some better lines or just shut up, because he probably doesn't want to hear you talk constantly into his bleeding ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a moment of Uraraka coming to terms with her feelings about Deku, and decides to put them aside for now. You know, if she wants to be like Deku, then she has to put hero work first and foremost. I really like this real mature moment from Uraraka here. It's just like, you know, like, I, I do like him, I do have a crush on him, but, like, I can't let that interfere with what I need to do as a hero. Well, it's it, well. To be fair, I've also noticed Horikoshi is very adverse to writing relationships in this series. I I can tell you right now, to this day, this is no spoiler whatsoever. There's none of that still to this day. Ah, uh, okay. He is. He does not. Much like Oda, he doesn't like writing romance. Do you think he probably got tired of uh, doing this bit with Araka at this point? No. Well, mm, no. I I do trust him enough that he will probably address it later in the future. Mm -hmm. And he does have a good in-universe rationalization for it. But you can tell it's not his first priority. Yeah, you think he's not here. He's not here to write any. He's not here to write like a like an Ichigo and uh, or Hime uh, mm. type of thing here or anything. He's got his priority. He's got his pri like his characters. His he's got his priorities straight. Yeah, it's me. It's like uh, you know, like I'll stop this for now, but I'll come back to it later. Yeah. And, uh, oh, during this uh, bit, we get some uh, really fun uh, rescue bits from uh, Inasa and Bakugo. Like, uh, Inasa using his uh, gale force to, like, move, like, all these, like, young kids and all these debris up in the air. So you just have kids in, like, tornadoes hanging above him. And, like... I would have laughed if they actually started, like, screaming in pain. Like, anybody <laughs> actually would if you moved their, like, mangled body up in the air like that. Yeah. Oh, my God! My bones! <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do this to us? 
And I like we're in pain. And I like how one of them is just like, oh, this kid's actually smart. This seems reckless, but he's actually maneuvering his wind in a way so that debris doesn't hit us. That's very smart. But he's being way too reckless. Yeah. And then like they yell at him and he's just go like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Oh, man. Yeah, this this in this part of this, in the exam, like they everybody gets put through the ringer because they're so because again, like you gotta have you gotta give some credit to the first years. One of which is Inas, Ina, Inasa. They don't. It's kind of implied that this is stuff you would learn in your second year or third year. Yeah, and stuff. So you gotta give credit to them. They probably don't have a whole lot of this first responder experience yet. Yeah. So they're kind of working in the dark here. They're in, they're at an at a disadvantage. And uh, Bakugo's a rescue bit where he's just yelling at these civilians to just like it's like, hey, move your ass, get the hell out of here. Oh, Bakugo doesn't have people skills. What else is new? <laughs> but the great bit is just like the uh, the citizens going like, it's like yeah, he's being really rude, but he is telling us to move in a way he is actually concerned about our safety so much so that he's very being very. He's like, you know, he's being, like, very energetic and panicked about this thing. He takes the ser- situation very seriously. Ah, good job, kid. Shut the hell up! I don't need your praise! Ah, he's, he has no time He has no time for this. Very good, very good, young young Bakugo. Well, now, it's something they think about for a second, but then they circle back to, yeah, but his disposition is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he's losing points. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he hears that he's losing points, he goes, what the hell was that? Yeah, yeah, Bakugo, threaten... <laughs> Threaten the victims. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just love to see more situations of, like, Bakugo trying to, like, do something nice for the society and just yelling at people, you know? Like, what if he's, like, that one hero who has to, like, save a cat from a tree and he just yells at the cat to get down from it or just throws it at the kid? He just explodes the branch and the cat goes flying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or helps an old lady cross the street and just, like, throws her in the air and explodes her across the street. It's it's something he tries to work on later. <laughs> So the test seems to be going well so far, but uh, what's a test without a few surprises? In order to protect citizens in need, heroes need to multitask. Heroes must adapt. Enter Gang Orca and his crew. They're playing the role of villains for this part of the exam. The students will now need to save people and fight at the same time against the rank 10th hero in Japan. Ooh, had to go with a ranker here. Yeah. And by the way... Gang Orca looks so damn cool. He he does look pretty freaking cool. He's got a nice design to him. Straight out of Street Sharks, this guy is. <laughs> he really is. And I just... Ranked number three in heroes that look like villains, too. Oh, there you go. That that takes some effort to look like that. And I just love like his whole like crime boss look with like, you know, the waistcoat and everything. He's got like uh, part of his uh, whale body that kind of looks a bit like a, a cape, a jacket or anything. It's a very good look for him. And I like his relationship with like his uh, you know, his uh, his crew. They kind of treat, treat him like a, a mob boss, so to say. Yeah, yeah, his his I don't know, his his whale crew or yeah. whatever. His his pod, the his, pod. His pod, yeah. His pod. There, there we you go. go. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, really, really cool uh, quirk and uh, appearance to this guy. Although, I wonder with a, with a quirk like with a quirk like his that essentially makes him into an orca whale, <laughs> why, is he more, why doesn't he work more in the water, I wonder? <laughs> well, then again, he's got that whale strength, too, you know? Yeah. 
is this big beefy he's he's he is literally orca from dc comics <laughs> yes real hero look her up <laughs> <laughs> although i wonder i wonder if maybe he wanted to but maybe uh the seal the spotted seal hero selkie selkie yeah pushed him out of his turf <laughs> and now they have like a they have like a heated rivalry <laughs> oh man they can have the like yakuza gang turf wars <laughs> no, they just meet each other out in public, and like everybody just knows, like, oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> like these guys, Selkie just like walks, walks straight up, like, hey, land lover, <laughs> how's the land? How's the land legs these days? Oh, not too bad. How is it talking to the fish out there? Oh, you know, not too fucking bad. <laughs> oh, what's your name now? Gang Orca? Yeah, nice name, bitch. <laughs> Make way for Selkie. I'm the king of the ocean. I'm the king of the brochin, bro. I'm the king of Cuteville, man. No one's cuter than me. Maybe Gunhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, nobody... Oh, yeah, well, nobody has the strength of a whale like me. Nobody looks as badass like me. Can you boast that you are the number three... Number three hero out there that looks like a villain? No, you cannot. Oh. What did you just say? What did you just say? What? 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 <laughs> oh, no, I look like something out of Street Sharks. Oh, man, that sure is jawsome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, say that to my face! Say that to my face! No, why did you say that to my face? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, everybody's looking on like, what the fuck am I watching? What is this? <laughs> Boy, ever since we lost All Might, all the heroes seem a little unhinged. Selkie tries to beat against him like a like a beachmaster or something. <laughs> Seal <laughs> slamming into him. You know, he got serious there, trying to like you know get him under control. Like, please, please, Selkie, just calm down, Captain. <laughs> and like you know, Sirius has to feed him a fish yeah. to get him back. You know, Gang Orca's pod comes in, going like, "Boss, please don't don't attack him. He's not worth it, boss." <laughs> You're fucking dead, Selkie. <laughs> You're lucky my crew was here to stop me. Otherwise. I'd fuck you up. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? What was that? Can't hear you with all this water in my ears. You know, because I swim out in the ocean. You know, that ocean that you so want to get back to? Yeah, come back to me when I'm out of water in my ears, bitch. Hey, Shinsuke, put hit out on Selkie. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll take the rap. <laughs> sixth, the sixth, the villain club man. <laughs> and then that's where the joke got dark. <laughs> darkest sketch. Darkest, darkest sketch. Darkest sketch. <laughs> Fuck, dude, I'm sweaty from now. On. <laughs> I mean, we got that. I got a little vanilla icing earlier. It's a, it's, it's a oh. joke a minute, man. Oh, man, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so on to the next episode. What's the big idea? Skipping over the special episode related to the movie, so we continue on with our exam, because we already talked about that last time. Yeah, I already talked. we already talked about that, and just need to skip on over that, especially since nothing really important happened in that one. Except, except All Might trying to uh, get over his uh, soap opera script that he tried to pitch once. <laughs> <laughs> That he couldn't that he couldn't get over, so he made it into a curricul into a piece of curriculum for everyone to enjoy. I like to call this all my hero's offspring. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So after being enemies in the first phase, all the students will need to work together if they want to protect citizens, stop the villains, and pass the exam. Gang Orca starts off by taking out Shindo and goes in for more, but he's cut off by Todoroki. Then Stan back! There's a Gale Force coming through. 
My boy Inasa arrives to fight off Gang Orca, and all the other students go off to get the injured citizens away. Inasa and Todoroki try to fight Gang Orca, but they don't gel well together as they try to attack at the same time, but instead the heat causes uh, Inasa's wind to create an updraft and like fly away from Gang Orca. Mm, yeah, not compatible here. They keep trying to fight, but they're just not gelling together, and then we get the uh, backstory from Inasa as to why he hates Todoroki and Endeavor, and I'll splice it in right here. I've never been afraid of anything. Even when I was a kid, I was fearless. Ah, it's so fast and cool! <laughs> I dig these little bugs! I could find reasons to like just about anything. That's why. The minute I understood what a hero was, I knew what I was going to be when I grew up. Tackling crises, rescuing people, risking their lives for the sake of the world. That took real passion. Which is why I couldn't understand him. Endeavor. Who had eyes that seemed to hate everything they saw. He was the only thing I couldn't stand. Rock on! The written part of the recommendation test is over! The practical's next, and then finally the interview! You'll go six at a time for the practical. Get stepping when your number's called! The exam will be a three-kilometer race, but it's an obstacle course, so you can't just run straight through it. Use your quirks to reach the finish! And this is it. The best hero school in Japan. The most passionate training I could hope for is waiting for me. Making an ice path to move. That's smart. I really didn't like the look in his eyes. But his abilities are on fire! I'll probably be accepted after this. Then maybe I can become friends with him, and his eyes won't bother me anymore. Wowza! Number 41 finishes first by a hair! And it's three minutes faster than the average time! Alright! I won! But who knows what'll happen next time? You were amazing! I'm guessing you must be Endeavor's kid, am I right? That's so awesome! Shut up. I just came here to pass a stupid test, that's all. I don't care if I beat you or not, so give it a rest. Those eyes. You're in my way. It's like he hates something that isn't even here. So, what do you think of this beef between Iasa and Todoroki? Mm, a little understandable. A little understandable. You know, met, met uh, Todoroki once when he was uh, when he was uh, first starting out in his uh, career in school, and uh, kind of saw a little bit of uh, his father in there, somebody who uh, just did not embody embody any heroic ideal out there. So started to kind of imprint that a little bit on Shoto here. Yeah, and it kind of harkens back to a moment from when Ieso was like a really young boy, and he saw Endeavor, you know, take out some villains, and he wanted his autograph, and Endeavor was just like, get the fuck out of my way, kid. You know, just like, just slapping him off to the side, you know, I have no Blew time for off. you. yeah. And Ieso just kind of like, his world just kind of like imploded right there, he thought like, I thought all heroes were supposed to like, love their fans, but this guy's different, this guy's an asshole. And, you know... More or less, he's right. Bravo, Inasa, you figured that out. You figured out. that out before everyone else before did. Before everyone else. <laughs> I'm still banking on everybody finding out about that. Yeah. It's 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 one of those it's one of those kegs you kinda know is gonna gonna be lit. It's just some building point. and building. Yeah. 
And looking at this backstory, I'm kind of thinking like, man, it's too bad his hatred for Todoroki stopped him from joining UA because Inosa would have made a damn fine addition to Class 1A. He would have been a really good one. You know, swap him out for Mineta. Like, you know, we have like the best class in all of UA right here. How about this? How about this? Shiketsu gets Monoma. Oh. And we get Inosa. Oh my god, Inosa. Can you imagine the scenes between Inosa and Kendo? You know, Kendo being the straight man to Inosa's, you know, hyper personality. Mm -hmm. You know, her trying to, like, use her huge hands to kind of, like, chop him back into sense, but he's all like, Ha ha ha! Ah, Kendo! I love your passion! <laughs> he would work really well in there. He would. Ah, oh, man, I, I love it so much, but I know it's never gonna happen. Mm, probably not. <laughs> Only in my dreams. And so, Gang Orga and his goons, hired goons, gang up on Todoroki and Inasa, immobilizing them with cement guns. The two realize they made their mistake, and they try to do what they can to fix this, so... They combine their quirks to create a fire tornado to trap Gang Orga in. And goddamn, the animation is really, really good here. Because you have Todoroki on one side, Enos on the other side, and they're just laying on the ground face down, but they're still somehow activating their quirks without really moving their bodies. And just the shading, the line drawings and everything, it just looks so, so... Mwah. Oh yeah, because this was a this was sold as a pretty big moment in the manga too. So they really had to like put this over with the animation here. Yeah, and also like we get the moment where like the goons try to help out their boss, but Todoroki blocks them with his ice while still can keep in his fire going, so he can use both of his quirks at the same time, which is his ultimate move. That's what he was practicing from before. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the students fight off the goons while the others try to get the injured to safety. But then, Gang Orca is able to free himself from the fire tornado by dousing himself in water like he just had a bottle of water ready for him. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't expect that, that super move from Gang Orca. Right. I better use my super move. <laughs> Aquafina Aqua saving, saving maneuver. I'm always ready. That's what the number 10 hero does. <laughs> Time now for my super move. Bottle, bottle of water. Go Fiji water. <laughs> Go Fiji water. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't expect that now, did you? <laughs> so, yeah, Gang Orca is able to free himself, but uh, Deku comes in for one final move. But, however, like the Sports Fest cavalry battle, time is up as things start to ramp up. So Deku goes in for a smash, he gets one hit in, and then time is up, all the citizens are safe. And the provisional license exam has come to an end. On to the next episode, a talk about your quirk. The results are in, who passed, and who failed. All of 1A passed! Well, except for Bakugo and Todoroki. Ouch. Yeah, Todoroki failed because of him and Inasa letting their feud get in the way of the exam, and Bakugo failed because he was being Bakugo. You know, it's it's obvious. Yeah. And we get a moment where Inasa actually apologizes to Todoroki, like the good boy he is, because he blames his narrow-mindedness for costing him his provisional license. You know, I like that Despite also failing the exam, Inosa showed a bit more concern that he was partially at fault for causing someone else to fail, which is probably something he didn't want to do. Like, he hated Todoroki, but it's just like, I didn't want to cause you to fail, man. I know. If this, if this doesn't put him over his people's boys, I don't know what we'll do. Yeah, what we'll just, do it. come on, get him in your stable, man. Todoroki shares a bit of the blame and realizes that despite how good he is, he still needs to get his emotions relating to his dad in check. He's already come to grips with his quirk, but now he needs to do the same when it comes to his heritage. So those who pass get their provisional licenses are now able to use their quirks in emergencies. They have completed the first step in becoming pro-heroes. As for those who failed, fret not as there's still hope for you. You can take a three-month remedial course, and once you complete that, you may take the exam again that following April. 
And Bakugo, Todoroki, and Inasa all have their uh, Lloyd Christmas moment by saying, telling me there's a chance. Yeah, say hello to what Bakugo and Shoto are going to be doing for a little while here. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're ready to not have them in the plot at all. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Side note here, we get pictures of, like, everyone's licenses, and I love how Deku looks like a total dork in his license picture. <laughs> he looks so nervous. He's just, like, all PDI going, like, hey, everybody, it's it's me. I'm a hero now. All the schools part ways for now. Big best boy Inasa bids farewell to Todoroki for the time being but says that he'll see him again during the remedial course, and that nothing has changed and he still hates him. But he said it with passion. Yes. He so, said it He said it in a very Minnesotan way, where, like, <laughs> he just, where, like, he puts it over as, like, as if, like, you're doing him a favor. <laughs> just, he's you know, doing you a favor for by saying that he hates you. It's very flippant. In a yes. Way. <laughs> so this looks like the beginnings of a good-natured rivalry, and I can't wait to see more of the interactions between these two, and I just can't wait to see Inasa again in general. Just, I love him so much. Oh yeah, I can't wait either. He's a really fun character. He is. But before Shiketsu leaves, Deku asks about Kami, and it turns out she left early, and also it's mentioned that she's been acting weird for the past few days now. Why is that? Surprise, surprise. That wasn't Kami at all, but instead our favorite psycho killer yandere, Himeko Toga. <laughs> she was Kami all along, thanks to the power of her quirk, Transform, which allows her to perfectly morph her appearance into anyone as long as she does one thing, consumes their blood. You know, remember when she took some of Uraraka's blood from earlier in the season, or when the League asked her about getting more blood? It was all building up to this reveal right here. And like, she even made good on her uh, turning into Uraraka during the exam as well. And for those out there wondering what kind of a life this girl has to live in that she has to drink blood and seems to actually enjoy the idea, don't worry. Horikoshi will remember that. Oh boy. Also during this whole thing, I kind of started to realize that somewhere out there, the real Kami is probably locked in some broom closet bleeding out or something. Yeah, mm, well, mm, you might be surprised by that. <laughs> also, her goal for this was very simple. She needed to get a sample of Deku's blood. Which she succeeded in. Oh, shit. Future plans, future <laughs> plans. Meanwhile, at a maximum security prison, Tartarus, All Might interrogates All for One. Do you know how stifling this place is, All Might? If I so much as try to scratch an itch by rubbing my body against this chair, then every gun muzzle in my cell block suddenly points at me. My brain waves are constantly being monitored, along with my vital signs. One thought about activating my quirk, and I'll likely be put down like a rabid dog. Imprisoned deep underground, smothered by layers of high-tech security. Not even a bit of stimulation for my mind. The world likens this place to something out of a Greek myth calling it Tartarus. That's the name of the underworld prison where kings and titans were punished. Escaping would be a struggle even for me. You're trapped here. You'll never go free. <laughs> I'll let you believe that. So what now? Let's hear what you have to say. Where's Gran Torino? You came here alone? And in a costume, no less. Please, don't tell me you're still trying to be a hero with that feeble body. You're chatty. Don't feel flattered. I just haven't had anyone to talk to in a while. I want answers. Tell me where Tomura Shigaraki is hiding right now. Haven't the slightest. 
Unlike your bird, mine left the nest and makes his own decisions. What were you trying to achieve? What are you hoping for now? Your body should have died a long time ago, yet you preserved it. You devote your time to exploiting and controlling people, toying with innocent lives for no reason. Why? Of course you came here with a tired topic. Even if I told you the truth, you wouldn't be satisfied. There are some people who never understand each other. We are the same, though you'd never admit it. Just as you long to become the hero of justice, I long to be an all-powerful devil. It's that simple. I had an ideal and the power to see it enacted. If I could live forever inside my dream, then why would I begrudge the effort to make it a reality? Why would you need a successor then? You of all people ask that. <laughs> what a laugh. It's because you took everything from me. Look at my body. I'm alive, yes, but only because of tubes and machines. After you appeared, my infinite potential suddenly became finite. It's normal to pass your work onto someone else when the end is near. Think of it as inheritance, like the estate you passed down, or the well-sown field planted by one person and cultivated from generation to generation. I'm just trying to do what everyone else on this planet is already doing, nothing more. You've got three minutes left, All Might. Oh, come now. Don't put a damper on things. I want to keep talking. The world was probably pretty shaken up by your retirement. So let's hear it. How are things actually looking on the outside? We're keeping him isolated from the news. Please refrain from giving him any information. You heard the man. All right, be that way. But then I have an active imagination. Right about now, the media's concern about your absence is mixing with their worry about Endeavor as the new de facto leader. It's making them question the unity of hero society. Meanwhile, those lurking in the shadows have been listening closely. They sense the growing instability caused by the vacuum you left and are compelled to act. They think this could be their chance to change how the world works and are starting to band together. I think Tomura and his group will continue to hide for the time being, in order to ensure it's their organization that rises to the top. Everyone will naturally wish to increase their influence, so there will be some fighting among the factions. If the scenario I composed plays out as I intended it to, then I know everything that's going on outside these walls. Do you know what I love most about this? Any rise in crime moving forward is due to you concealing your fading strength. And now you won't be able to save anyone. You've been relegated to the sidelines, doomed to watch society fall apart as villains flourish because of your own arrogance, powerless for the rest of your days. So tell me, how does that feel, hero? All Might, don't approach the glass. That's all I needed. I can see it written on your face. You're nothing now. You're finished. Bet you really want to punch me, huh? You think you know everything, but as always, you underestimate people. I kept wondering what would annihilate your golden heart. I understand your twisted plan very well. Do you want Shigaraki, my master's blood relation, to kill me? Or kill me and young Midoriya? That's what you plotted. 
Perhaps. Thoughts on this interrogation? Uh, well, I can tell you right now, uh, All for One is absolutely spot on with everything he says. Yeah. Almost like he planned for everything to happen. Yeah, there's like a moment where like he asked All Might about like, you know, what the outside world is like, and one of the uh, guards say, don't tell him anything, he shouldn't know. But he's like, no, 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 I have an overactive imagination. I can guess what's going on, and he goes on to guess perfectly. Let me tell you exactly what I think is going on out there. <laughs> and he basically lays it down like, yeah, I'm gone now, big power vacuum, and you're, and guess what, you're not around anymore too, so people are going to start feeling ambitious. Villains are going to get, like, haughty. They're going to think they can have a piece of the pie now, and you're going to have a hellstorm of, like, villains on you coming up. And you can't do anything about it, All Might. You can't do anything about it. And again, it's just like moments like this with uh, All for One that he's so calm, he's just all in control. Everything is going according to plan in his mind. I just, ugh, I love that so much that he's just in control and just super calm. And just rubbing Shigaraki in All Might's face too. knowing He shows no doubts that Shigaraki will succeed him. In, a, in some way. And he, and he lets All Might know that full well. Oh yeah, it's just, it's a good scene. Later that night, Bakugo calls out Deku to have a one-on-one -on -one chat after everyone's gone to sleep. He wants to talk about Deku's quirk. Bakugo brings Deku to the site of their first fight from the combat training in Season 1. He tells him that ever since Deku said that his quirk was given to him, and after the whole all-for-one incident, he's starting to put all the pieces together. His quirk was given to him. It's similar to All Might's. He found out that people do have the power to take away and give away quirks from All for One. All for One and All Might knew each other and are very similar in ways. And Deku was the only one who understood All Might saying, Now it's your turn back at uh, Kamino. Deku, are you All Might's secret love child or something? <laughs> <laughs> Why does everyone keep asking me that? <laughs> I don't know, it, it was one of those writing moments where I kind of had to piece everything together, and I'm all like, okay, I guess you could come to this final decision here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like that meme where like someone's like doing math in yeah. their head, like, and like, the graphics are going all around, and I'm all like, okay, I guess somebody could come to this conclusion, that somebody would assume Deku got his quirk from All Might. Hey, you know, Bakugo's an asshole, but... He's smart, though. Yes, he, he is smart. In there. Yeah, he does He does have good intuition. So, with all with what he knows, he wants to know the whole truth from Deku. Otherwise, he's going to have to beat it out of him. Which leads into the next episode, Deku vs. Kachan Part 2. It's time for Deku Bakugo twice in a lifetime right here. Bakugo wants to fight right here, right now, because if they do it during school hours, then they'll be stopped. They won't be allowed to go all out. He wants Deku at his full strength, and he wants to know why All Might gave his power to him in the first place. You know, what does All Might see in you over someone like me, who's been better than you our entire lives? And all this also stems before what we talked about Baku on past podcasts, about how like he has a high opinion of himself, mostly because of people endlessly praising him ever since he was young. He's been put up on this pedestal ever since he was a little kid. And he feels like someone like Deku shouldn't be allowed to pass him by with all they've been through. And so the fight begins, and I'll splice in parts of the fight, because it's a, it's a good one. You have to stop this! Why hurt each other when we could just talk things out? You were right to look up to All Might like you did! I know just how much he meant to you when we were growing! I told you to wait! Wait for me, please! Kachan! 
you were always behind me, our whole lives! Are you alright? You were stuck to me. I couldn't get rid of you. No matter how much I tried, you kept coming back! Listen to me! Stop running! Stand up and fight! We both admired him, so why? In small doses, pride can be a useful attribute to have. I'd say you certainly have the ability to become a pro hero. I know why you're so angry, young Bakugo. Because of young Midoriya's sudden improvement, right? But you have to remember each of your rankings when the year first began. It's much easier to level up when you're a novice. Why? against him. If I'm gonna do this, I'm going all out. I refuse to be your punching bag, Kachan! Let's go! Oh yes, it's it's a fantastic fight. It's one of those uh, fights I would actually uh, show to somebody who is new to the series. To really get a, get over that, like, it's about, like, the characters. Yeah. Not just the fights themselves. Sure, they look gorgeous. Mm -hmm. You can pick them apart as much as you want, and you'll have a fun time doing it but it's the character moments between them. It's the idea of two friends coming to understand each other through a fight that really puts this over real well. Yeah, and also, can a fucking coke to Clifford Shapin for his performance here? Like, he knocks this out of the park. Like, he's always been great as Bakugo, but this scene, this fight, is just him going all out right here. Yeah, he really puts... He, he really gets across Bakugo's emotions super well in this fight. Like every every moment where he's like tearing up from like his from like explaining like his anxieties as of late and like his guilt, how he feels uh, that he was partially responsible for uh, All Might retiring, uh, how he feels kind of inferior to uh, Deku, 
Or even how he feels that, uh, or even when he's talking about how, um, uh, he feels that, like, his entire dream is useless because All Might didn't see any potential in him and saw all the potential in Deku, despite the fact that Bakugo worked very hard for what he got, you know? I'm honestly very glad I went back and rewatched this because I felt like I understood Bakugo a lot better than, like, when, when I initially did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, like, I actually understood, like, where all of his anxiety was coming from. He's feeling, where he's feeling like there's no point to his dream because, like, All Might, his idol, saw a greater potential in somebody else. So he's thinking to himself, well, God, is my dream useless now? Like, I'm, like, with, with that kind of endorsement, then, like, what kind of a chance do I have of becoming number one hero one day? Some of the things I like about this fight is uh, we get some noticeable callbacks to previous moments here as uh, we have Deku trying to help uh, Bakugo similar to the moment when they were little where he helps him up in the river. And also there's uh, Bakugo demanding Deku to go all out and fight back and it's kind of like his fight with uh, Todoroki at the sports festival in the finals where like he's just screaming at Todoroki to go fight me with all your strength, go all out, and Todoroki wasn't doing it, so it's kind of similar with Deku right here, because Deku's still holding back a little. And also, like, uh, in a way, with this fight, it's kind of like seeing their first ever deep connection between Deku and Bakugo, because Deku knows that their relationship has always been screwed up ever since they were kids, and, like, this fight is the only way they can really get their feelings across from each other, like, without actually talking to each other. Yeah, Deku Deku realizes he's got a lot of, like, pent-up aggression and anxiety and worry and sadness so he figures eh, let's have a little spar and uh, get that all out amp up one for all from five percent to eight percent yes that is true and he even gives bakugo a little uh kamina let me see you grit those teeth kind of punch in the face right to bakugo oh yeah it's 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 freaking gorgeous all around like the, the the movements that like the animators actually put like bakugo through the air with and stuff how he's like repositioning his body oh it's juicy to look at yeah far cry from their first fight back in season one so bakugo pins deku to the ground and their rivalry is now at one win apiece all might then steps in and he deku and bakugo have a moment this scene right here is just so good just like you know, All Might starting to realize that uh, he really kind of messed up when it came to Bakugo, that, like, he did focus too much on Deku when he kind of, like, let Bakugo fall to the wayside, you know, kind of making it seem like he didn't care about him, you know, he didn't acknowledge his, his strength and hard work this entire time, and that's what led to these whole, like, anxieties and, like, his whole, like, his whole deal these past couple of seasons. And, like, this this episode's just so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a rough episode for Bakugo, but, man, does it really... Does it really make everybody understand him better? Yeah, and it's just like, it's all the stuff that I've been basically screaming about this entire Summer of Heroes thing, that Bakugo can be good. Yeah, he's an asshole, but there's more to it to him than that. There's comple- There's layers to him. There's complexity to him. Like, yeah, he's a dick, but come on. Like, you can kind of get where he's coming from here, like, with, like, everything he's been through ever since childhood. Yeah, he's just an angry, antisocial kid. yeah. And then uh, Bakugo does find out about the secret of One for All, and uh, he does promise Deku and All Might that he will keep this secret. And he also tells Deku that he better get stronger because he has the basis of All Might within him. You know, you have that endorsement, you better fucking do something with it. And Deku assures him, well, I'm going to be even better than that. Yeah, he says, I'm going to be better than you. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. He's like, well, you challenged me, so I'm going to have to be better than you. (laughs) And finally, they're officially rivals. Yes, this rivalry has truly, truly begun. But before we get any more of that, there's one more thing. The kids have to pay for breaking curfew, you see. Therefore, they get put under house arrest, with Bakugo getting four days suspension, and Deku getting three days suspension. During that time, they have to clean the entire dorm. They can't take classes. Also, they have to give a written apology to Mr. Aizawa. 
eh, could have been worse. Mm, yeah. Also, we get a nice little post-credits moment to this episode as, you know, Bakugo and Deku are cleaning up the dorms and Deku asks Bakugo about, like, saying, hey, what do you think of my shoot style? And then Bakugo actually gives him some pointers on how to improve it. And I like the bit where he goes, like, you know that punch you did earlier? It was really friggin' annoying. But you can kind of see it was his way of saying, like, do that more, it'll mess with villains. Ah, uh, yeah, switch up your style, like, midway a little bit, throw your throw your enemies off. Yeah, so, yeah. A subtle little way of him giving, giving Bakugo advice. Took him three seasons, but they're starting to kind of connect a bit more, Deku and Bakugo are. Mm-hmm. And so, we begin our penultimate episode of Season 3, A Season of Encounters. And we begin this with your league boy twice. Here to explain this scene here. <laughs> we get a candid little moment of Jin twice Bubagawara looking out his window in the morning, having his morning cigarette, and giving some very apt words, some very apt observations about hero society. And while also getting a little bit of commentary from the voice in his head. They counsel him, they understand, they talk to him. Yes, it's the the little voice uh, that's always contrary to everything he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually makes a, a surprisingly apt observation about hero society by seeing that uh, by pretty much like seeing the writing on the wall that like things are gonna get worse going forward. All Might's gone. Nobody's gonna believe in Endeavor. No, because he has because he has like because he has practically a zero percent approval rating from people. Yeah, he was never a very well liked person. So that is also that's going to like really kill people's mood. That's going to like kill people's hearts a little bit. They're gonna start feeling a little bit of hope, a little bit hopeless out there about like heroes. And they'll try, they'll try, but they probably won't. But they're not gonna pick up all the pieces. And while and while heroes are trying to pick up all those pieces, villains are gonna get more ambitious. They're gonna start realizing that they can team up with each other and cause way more damage and come out and come out ahead of the heroes way more often. Like, it's going to be a rough road ahead. And also we find out that uh, the Leaguey Weegee is spread out all over Japan in order to lay low as well as recruit new members. So they're still building up their ranks. It's kind of like uh, the conversation All Might had with, I think it was uh, Gran Torino and Tsukauchi from the previous half of Season 3 where they talked about how every time the League uh, attacks, they just come back stronger. And this is this is how they do it. They keep recruiting more people in, you know, based on their own ideals and also keep spreading Stain's manifesto. And they're also, and it's also based, it's also jumping off the idea that there are people out there in hero society that do feel like outcasts, that do feel like they have no place to belong. Because as uh, Jin makes the observation here, uh, heroes for the most part only care about people who are in immediate danger. They don't care about those that are suffering in the long term. Yeah. Like those with like mental problems like him. And that's when he gives out about his quirk twice, which allows him to... Okay, there's a lot more rules to it than this. <laughs> <laughs> I I probably shouldn't say some of them because they come up a little bit later in the series. But the general idea is that he can make a copy of uh, any. He can make a he can make one thing into two things. Yeah, he can make a copy of he can make a copy of himself, and that copy can make more copies of himself of themselves, and then those copies can make copies of themselves, and so on and so forth. It's like Mr. Meeseeks from Rick and Morty. Yeah, kind of like that. That's kind of what it's like. No, uh, twice though he um, does remark that he got this way uh, because back when he was um, back when he was younger, he made copies of himself to create his own little gang. But the thing is, is that the copies he makes are their own independent agents. So they all got the idea of turning on him 
and they ended up killing each other <laughs> in front of him. <laughs> it was so traumatic that he ended up with split personality disorder. Oh, man. And he's never been the same since. No. But was there a hero to save him? No. No. Was there anybody there to, you know, help him or, like, you know, help coax him through his mental illness? No. There was no infrastructure or anything. He was dead in the water. And the villains were the only people there who, like, accepted him. So, you can under... So, all of a sudden, you begin to understand that there is this hidden dynamic to uh, the uh, villains out there that makes you reasonably assume that, yeah, there is maybe a reason why some of these villains would band together a little bit. Yeah. Why they would see themselves as uh, the outcasts. And major, major props to Twice's English actor here. Yeah, Newton Pittman. Newton Pittman. Holy crap. He, just to reiterate, he voiced, I need to, can I just confirm this? He did voice Grey in Fairy Tale, correct? Yep, Grey Fullbuster in Fairy Tale. Holy crap, does he step up his game here? Hot damn, he's good. Now, he's I, I admit he wasn't working with very good material in terms of Grey and Fairy Tale. Yeah, because Grey's the worst boy in Fairy Tale. But God, he is so damn good as Twice here. He's fucking knocking it out of the park, man. Ser- like, seriously, he feels... Uh, it's almost like... It's one of those performances that feels le- that feels more like he had real-life experience as, like, an actual actor, because, like, there's something so, like, gritty and realistic to the voice he puts on as the normal, everyday, like, Jin Bubaigawara, you know? Like, he, he kind of almost makes his, like, voice a little bit more gravelly, like he's been smoking more often. Mm-hmm. It's... And, or, and he even, like, lightens his voice up, like, perfectly. He does, like, really good, like... In inflections with his voice whenever he has to do the uh, persona of twice. It's it's almost like a... It feels almost like a Rorschach dynamic here. Yeah, very much so. With twice, where, like, he, uh, you know, he feels more complete when he has the mask on. Yeah. He's kind of got, like, a gravelly voice going on as well. Like, it's... it's The performance he put on here that he put together is just... Mm, it's one of my... It's one of my favorite... He, he might be one of my favorite um, English voices in the dub, by far. Once again, this is coming from the character who was kind of seen as, like, the very funny comic relief uh, Deadpool character from the League. But, like, we get to see this new side of him in, like, the second half of Season 3. And it's, like, it just really adds so much more to him and also, like, the whole thing with the League and their dynamic. Yeah, it's 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 so damn well done. It's very good. It's really impressive. So, during this whole thing, we get to see Twice witness a robbery of a convenience store by a bunch of two-bit thugs who call themselves the Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Because they, you know, rob a bank, technically, an ATM. Yeah. (laughs) Clever name. And then all of a sudden, they run in and get killed by a new group of baddies here. These plague doctor mask-wearing baddies. Oh my god, it's Marty Skrull and Villain Enterprises! (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Run away, they're gonna break your fingers. (laughs) You sick fuck, you sick fuck, you sick fuck. (laughs) No, this is our upcoming villain for the next arc. Guy Chisaki, a.k.a. Overhaul. Played here by Kellen Goff. Ooh, you're in for some, we're in in for some fun next season. Oh my god, I cannot wait. Meanwhile, at UA, we get an update on 1B and their provisional license exam. As it turns out, all of them passed. Even fucking Monoma, which he uses to be a shithead. Of course he does. 
And he even uses the American exchange student Pony Sunatori, played here by Sir Wiedenhep, to talk shit for him, even though she probably doesn't understand what he's having her say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she says something like, uh, Touch me and I'll pummel you till your mama doesn't even know you. I think in some, like, early, like, uh, like translations or something, like, he, he straight up teach, teaches her swears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a hilarious idea to me. <laughs> to fuck over, like, a non-native Japanese speaker. <laughs> this nice-looking girl here. Just who's probably like a sweetheart and having her just like curse out Kaminari and Kirishima. Fucking Monoma teaching 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 innocent girls swears. <laughs> I swear he gets worse and worse every time we talk about him. <laughs> he gets worse in the future. Oh my god. How does he get worse than this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I say well, I guess I mean more like, you know, he gets like he gets more reasons to stick around, so I guess that is worse. Yeah, that is pretty bad. <laughs> like I say, like I said in previous podcasts, I think he's worse than Mineta. That's how much <laughs> I don't like him. Like I can deal with Mineta in his perviness, you know, to an extent. But like Monoma is just like, man, I just, I just really want to see someone just punch him in the balls. It's like something visceral. Yeah, you see, you have. Can we bring back Kota? Have him punch him in the dick. Right, like, you know, it's. I think it kind of goes back to that dynamic of, like, those the type of people you knew in high school. Like, for for a guy like Mineta in high school, like, okay, fine, yeah, he's, he's shitty, but, like, he's harmless. Yeah. Monoma, you, he, he is, like, that kid that would, like, goat you into fucking hitting him and then complain to the teacher yeah, get to you, get you in trouble. Yeah, get you suspended for, like, making you punch him. Yeah, Monoma feels like that kind of kid. Yeah. Oh, another thing we find out during this is that 1A and 1B will be having classes together this semester, which means, yay, more Kendo and Tetsu Tetsu, but boo, more Monoma. <coughs> two, two, I have to wait two arcs. <coughs> <laughs> we get to uh, the new semester orientation as Principal Nezu gives a speech about what happened over the past few weeks and how UA students and staff will need to do their best in order to move on and build a brighter future. During this, we get a flashback that shows Principal Nezu talking to All Might about being a teacher and how UA is filled with strong students that one day could be his successor. Interestingly, as this happens, we pan over the crowd and notice some peculiar-looking kids. Three of them, in fact, and they're fairly... big, so to say. One of them hears about Deku and Bakugo's fight from last night and takes an interest in them. I'm sorry, we're not going to talk about Hound Dog and the amazing speech he gives. Oh yeah, we also got that scene too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, school guidance counselor comes out and uh, informs these students of a little event that happened recently. I think his speech went something like, Don't make me get the newspaper. Hey, sit, 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 sit. Good boy, good boy. He wants a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Hound Dog just starts barking in his speech, and and uh, and uh, Vlad, uh, the the teacher Vlad, walks up afterwards and is like, he's got a good point. <laughs> Students, stu student infighting on campus is not going to be allowed. That's why we that's why we suspended these two students for three and four days. Everyone's just like, he understood that. <laughs> oh man, maybe uh, Hound Dog can keep can team up with the uh, chief of police from uh, from uh, season two here. How is he a guidance counselor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm now starting to wonder what the other teachers are like that we haven't seen in the school. Oh my god. <laughs> Back in class, Aizawa gives 1A the rundown on hero work studies as that was brought up during the orientation. Basically, it's like the internships but a little more hands-on and closer to the action though. And also, this is specifically for students who have their provisional licenses, so that's why they had you get them. 
Yeah, it's essentially, like, more just hands-on, like, hero work and stuff. Whereas before, like, you would be expected to get out of the way if, like, you were working under... If you were doing, like, the job shadowing before. The, this right here, the work studies, as they're called, are much closer to, like, actual internships where you're actually expected to, you know, get the the real actual hands-on experience rather than you know, look on and get advice and take notes and stuff. You're basically, you're basically, so long as you're working uh, in an internship under a pro hero, you can basically act as a pro hero yourself. Yeah. So you can actually get on, get in on the action. Yeah, which is cool. much cooler. Much cooler, just instead of just saying, hey, watch and learn. Oh, yes. Later on after class, Deku is taking out the trash when he suddenly runs into Lucas from Mother 3, casually moving in and out of the walls and in the ground. What? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, this guy is just poking out his face, all smiling and be little eyes, saying, "Hey, you seem like a problem child. What's up with you?" <laughs> I was equally weirded out by this when I saw the manga. <laughs> this guy just wanted to take a good look at Deku as he sees he's full of fighting spirit. Who is he? Well, you're just gonna have to wait and see, young Midoriya. Three days later, and Deku's suspension is up, and he can return to class and right on time too, as Aizawa is here to go into details about more hero work study stuff. But. He needs a little help from a group that has experience with work-study. Introducing UA's best of the best, the cream of the crop, the big three. And so, it's time to close out season three in Summer of Heroes with the episode Unrivaled. Big three formal introductions, go! First is Tamaki Amajiki, played here by Aaron Dismuke, who's so nervous and filled with stage fright that he can't even talk or face the class. Even imagining everyone as potatoes doesn't work. Based on Horikoshi's experience at San Diego Comic-Con, I believe it was, where he got crippling social anxiety when he was on stage. Oh, really? He made, he made a character after that? Y yeah, he felt like a shitload of anxiety during a public appearance. Oh, and he wow. And he, and he based Amajiki on that experience. Oh, no. That adds a really sad bit of, like, real dimensionality to Amajiki. God, when he just says, I want to go home. Oh, it's like, I feel so bad for him. I feel so bad for him and Horikoshi. <laughs> Especially considering that Horikoshi, despite sounding very candid about like his ideas, like is not like big on public appearances. Yeah, from what I've seen of him, he doesn't seem like a people person all that much. Whenever he's actually seen in person, he's almost always wearing a mask. Yeah. Like some really steampunk looking mask. Kind of... Kind of weird, but also appropriate for a guy who writes about <laughs> heroes. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Next is Nijire Hado, played here by Lindsay Seidel, who is a total nosy airhead and is just happy and good-natured. Grapist and Chargebolt obviously get hots for her. I think the only note Horikoshi wrote about her is that he likes drawing her hair. Now, she has nice hair. She has really nice hair. And, and that's not me making like a, a midnight, you know, and she has nice hair kind of bit. No, she legit has nice hair. Yeah, it's very well styled and like it frames her body perfectly. And I like her running up to like all the one a students saying like, Hey, Mira Ashido, how, what's the deal with your horns? Do they grow back if they cut off? Hey, Ojiro, what's the deal with your tail? Can you like uh, hold your own body weight? It's, re it's really nice. Yeah, it is very nice. She even, she even asks Mineta about his balls and he's like, Whoa, she wants to know about my ball. Phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't mean the ones on my head. <laughs> and last but not least, the future's gonna be awful. That's your part. That's your part, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know you talked before about your boy. <laughs> but I think now I gotta talk about my boy. The biggest boy of all, Mirio Togata. Yes, this Lucas looking guy from earlier, but he's like Lucas packing all kinds of beef. 
the subject of so many Vault Boy jokes <laughs> when he first debuted. <laughs> and he's played here by Rico Fajardo. Yeah, a relative newcomer, isn't he? Uh, he's been around for quite a few years now. Shoot, I don't know many of his roles, unfortunately. I see, I've heard him in a lot of stuff, and also like a lot of roles which require him to actually sing, and he's really good, honestly. Really? Yeah, also uh, another... Shit, I gotta like keep track of these people more. Also, another kind of cool thing I found about found out about him, he's actually uh, of Filipino descent, like myself. Hey, represent. I'm just like, hey, there we go, we need more of us now in the, uh, in the world there. Yeah, exactly. But God, is he so delightful to hear as Mario because he nails his character at like with pitch perfect, like his clarity, his enthusiasm. Like I talk about Enos's enthusiasm, but like Mario here is just—it's so infectious. Just like you feel good just hearing him talk. Mm, definitely. And also, like with the big three here, like every one of them is kind of a weirdo, but like. After this intro, I just, like, I love them immediately. Mm, all of them. Love them so, love them so dearly. But yeah, yeah. Overall thoughts on the big three. The big three? Pfft, I just told you, I love them yeah. all. <laughs> Amajiki's a little kitten. Nejire is just, like, a hyperactive puppy dog. <laughs> and Mirio is just, like, the best boy in, like, all of my heroes. He's, like, the big bro you never had. Well, now that... That's that's exactly the niche he is going to fill in this series. Oh. That's pretty much it. <laughs> He's a big, lovable, big bro. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mirio wants to get to know 1A a bit more, so he needs to do something completely rational. He challenges them all to a fight, all at the same time. See? Rational. Also, this fight is a good way for 1A to get a good idea about work studies, you know, what they entail, and, like, you know, what could be the results of, from him by uh, fighting Mirio here. What better way to get that across than, you know, fighting someone who's actually had the experience? And so the fight begins, and Mirio's clothes fall off. Oh my. So Deku takes the opportunity to go for a kick, but it phases right through him. The rest of 1A attacks do too, and then Mirio disappears. Only to reappear behind Jiro completely naked. With no clothes on. <laughs> Jiro, there's a naked boy behind you. Uh, don't look at his penis, don't look at his penis, don't look at his penis. Ah, I looked! <laughs> <laughs> so Mirio batters most of 1A with single punches all while on the buff. I appreciate that, like, at the very end of his combo, he, like, fl he, like flicks his pants back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he does at least know to know that he, like, you know, you still gotta follow public decency laws when you're a hero. You can just, like, hear Nijere off to the side going, like, Hey, Mirio, I can see your doodle. With that incredible exclamation and pose. Power! Power! <laughs> <laughs> Mirio turns his attention to the close quarters fighters and rushes them. He then slips through the floor and pops behind Deku, but Deku saw it coming and tries to, for a kick only to have that phase through Mirio, and he gets a gut punch for his troubles. Yeah, like fr he freaking phases through Deku's body to faint him and yeah. then like socks him right in the gut. And then the rest of 1A all get gut punches and that looks to be it. POWER! Ooh. And I love the line after the fight where he says, I tried to make it so you wouldn't see my willy. Sorry if you got a peek. <laughs> I think 1A getting a look at your dinghy is the least of their troubles. Yeah, like, they're, they've all now got stomach problems. That's the least of their worries. Yeah, so... And of course, don't forget the one statement from Aizawa, too. Mm. That he believes that, in his opinion, Mirio here is the closest one out there to becoming the number one hero. I'm glad that it's clarified to be Aizawa's opinion, because I've seen that... I don't know what it is, but like that line in particular has been kind of a, has been kind of weird in translation. 
Because I think in some ways it's been translated. It's been translated as saying, like, as, like, literally, it is a known fact that he is the closest to becoming number the number one hero. There's... It's, it's like, when you, like, make it more like Aizawa's opinion, it fits a little bit better. Yeah. Because then that's just, like, one person's opinion. So, it like, it kind of brings him back down to earth a little bit, but... I don't know, I'm just put off a little bit whenever, like, I hear that, like, translation. It's like, really? Him? Like, this one high schooler with this kind of power? Like, the absolute closest? Yeah, I mean, there's gotta be... not gonna say Endeavor or yeah, anything, there's gotta or... be people closer to him than than that. No, no other pro heroes. Yeah, like, really? like he's good. The kid's good, but like, you, you know, any anyone else? Maybe the number two hero. Or yeah, genius. Like, give those guys credit. Yeah, I mean, come on, they're ranks for a reason. Yeah, precisely. So, what's the deets on his quirk? Mirio has the power of permeation. Care to tell us how it works? Ah, uh, permeation. He well, it essentially gives him. The, he's essentially Kitty Pride from X Men. Yeah, basically. Uh, but with. <laughs> way better explained powers. <laughs> no, really. Look up Kitty Pride's uh, powers on Wikipedia for, like, the X-Men character. It is ridiculous as to how many people have tried to explain her powers over the years. It is stupidly ridiculous. Yeah. Because everybody has to explain, well, why can't she phase through the ground when she uses her powers? And people have had to use actual science <laughs> to explain how she can maintain her fucking power. Other than just saying it's a fucking comic book. It's a comic book. <laughs> Shut up. Thank God Horikoshi simplifies it way better. Essentially, he essentially Mirio can make his entire body intangible. Uh, when he does so, he does not maintain any kind of scientific force on his feet when he's like moving on the ground, when he's moving around. No, he phases right through the earth like he's glitching through it <laughs> the, the ground in a video game. It's debug mode. But when he deac when he de deactivate that deactivates that quirk, he can shoot right out of the ground, and he can even like adjust his trajectory to like shoot himself out like. At different angles and whatnot, but he can also selectively uh, permeate his body as well, so that he can initiate uh, feints and not be attacked at all by his enemies. Pretty good sounding quirk, like at, as as far as uh, as far as it sounds initially. But as Mirio explains, his quirk is not actually powerful in itself because he had to train to selectively permeate his body. He had to train to hone his skills to shoot himself out of the ground and be as maneuverable as he possibly can in combat. He had to train just to simply walk through a wall with his ability without getting stuck. He had to train his body to get muscular so that he can actually take on his enemies. He had to train in all these regards just to be a uh, just to be the great hero that he is going to be right now. And he got all that training through his work-study slash internships. Yeah, all hard work and everything. Like, where else do you think all that beef came from? I love this, though, because it really gets over the idea that you can have a really crappy work quirk in this world, but it all depends on the work that you put into it. Yeah, it's it. how you use it, man. Yeah, it's how you use it. Mirio embodies that better than any other character I've seen in My Hero. And also there are these uh, dis disadvantages that make it kind of cumbersome, you know, like... He can't, yeah, he can't see can't or see, hear, hear... or feel or anything. Or breathe. Or breathe. Like, it's just complete darkness when he activates his quirk, and especially when he goes underground. Like Yeah, you know, so he has to get a very good lay of the land before he can actually use his quirk. And of course there's also the problem of his uh, clothes flying off, because they 
permeate through him. Right, right. So he doesn't want to get, like, ticketed by any police <laughs> when he's out in the field. Yeah, this also calls back to, like, a moment where Deku uh, recognizes Mirio from, like, the sports festival from the previous year where he, uh, he came in, like, uh, last place because his clothes kept falling off and he can't compete in any of the events. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the ratings for that, uh, that sports fest kind of turned into, like, a TVMA after a while. <laughs> They had to, like, use a lot of the uh, black box screening and everything like that. <laughs> and so, afterwards, Deku is feeling inspired by Mirio, and Mirio seems to have taken an interest in Deku. He then says someone named Sir would also take an interest in Deku as well. And so, Season 3, in Summer of Heroes, comes to a close as the leaguey Weegee courts the new numpty-beating-baddie on the block, Overhaul, to be continued in Season 4 curtain down final thoughts on the second half of my hero academia season three well as far as themes go i feel like it uh, got across a really good one the idea of um teamwork and cooperation i feel like um this season in particular really hits that theme home that being a hero uh, as much as is as much as relying on others as it is uh, believing in your own personal abilities, that you cannot uh, work alone, that you need to be there for others in order to pull each other up and move forward and actually be heroes, not as individuals, but as a group. I feel like the season, more than ever, more than any of the previous ones, really gets that over better than the others. And it makes for a uh, absolutely fine season that really uh, improves the characters in many good ways. I think I said this before in the last podcast, but I'll say it again. Season 3 is, like, the best season of My Hero thus far. Like, this series somehow manages to get better and better with each season, and I have no doubt that Season 4 will be more of the same, just, like, getting better and better each time. And with this arc especially, like, especially after what happened in the previous arc, like, you know, this all seems like very much a recovery arc, you know, like, we lost our symbol of peace, what do we do now? You know, we pick ourselves back up, we gotta rebuild again. Lower overall stakes, but greater personal stakes for the characters. That's yeah. how I would describe the season. Yeah, and also, like, with all the heavy stuff from last from the last arc, we also got, like, plenty of very fun moments with, like, 1A, you know, coming together and working together, like you said, because that's pretty much the future of the My Hero world now that All Might's gone. We need more heroes Everybody together. has to band together and work and pull each other up. Yeah, we can't rely on one person anymore because he's retired, you know, we need... And we can't rely on one person in general anymore because, like, look at Endeavor. He can't be, like, the symbol of peace or, like, the next number one hero because he's an asshole. Right. Like, we need more people working together. We need, like, a super team of heroes. We need the super friends of My Hero characters. Yeah, we need we need less... Sing, sing, we, know, we, we, less, we need less of, like, the Superman... And the Batman and the Wonder Womans, individually, we need, the, we need the Justice Leagues. We need the Teen Titans of the world yes. to really band together. We need the Avengers to assemble here. Exactly. You know, that scene at the end of Endgame, spoilers, where everyone all comes together. You know, we need that in the world of My Hero now, that All Might's gone. Mm, really sets the tone for how uh, the hero world is going to be reacting to the uh, villains uh, going forward in the series. Yeah, and also just... Their, their general strategy. And also just the setup, like, you know, introducing, like, this new villain overhaul and, like, his group of, like, Marty Skrull-looking motherfuckers and also introducing the big three, like, the three top students in UA, you know, and especially, you know, big bro Mirio here kind of taking a liking to Deku and maybe seeing, like, where their relationship goes from here. Oh, we're in for so much fun next season, you have no idea. Like, if, if you out there haven't seen the trailer for season four yet, like, yeah, it's just making me just, like, just go, like, God... Let it be October now. I need this. I need this. Hook it to my veins. Ooh, yes. 
And just like that, four months, two seasons, and one movie later, Summer of Heroes is over, but this won't be the last time we talk about My Hero on the podcast, as, you know, season four is coming this October. And I'll just say this now, when that season ends, we'll be back, or rather, we'll be here. Ah, yes. Yes, we will be here to cover it for all of your ears to hear. And also, I want to make this Summer Of series a reoccurring thing on the podcast. Like, every year during the summer months, we take a look at a bunch of anime that fit a certain theme, whether it's, like, say, multiple seasons of the same show, or shows with, like, a same director, same studio, or even a diff- bunch of different shows that all share the same genre or theme, you know? We'll cover it as a series of podcasts like this, to, you know, to get you through the dog days of summer, like... We hopefully these My Hero episodes did for you this past summer. And I already have an idea for what we're going to do next summer, but uh, I'll save that moment for another day. You know, it's a little too early. When I'm ready, I'll pull the trigger on that one. Thank you for listening to the finale of Summer of Heroes, as well as this entire series that we've done this past summer. This was a lot of fun, and it was a pleasure getting to mark out about My Hero this entire summer. We can't wait to get back to you all about it. I've been your host, Mikey, and you can find me at my social medias, at Mikey Shota on Twitter and MikeyShota.tumblr.com. And Mikey Shota on Instagram. Where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at WolfishGrin on Twitter and WolfishGrin on Tumblr. Follow the show's Twitter at Anime underscore Bebe. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y-B-A-Y. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send them to AnimeBebePod at gmail.com. That's AnimeBebePod at gmail.com. Thanks once again for listening, and on the next episode, we'll be back to covering a different anime each and every month. What we'll be talking about in September, well, you're just going to have to wait and see. Thanks again, and instead of our usual sign-off, let's do something a little bit more thematic. Let us let us give a heroic send-off to this Summer of Heroes. Go, Go Beyond! Plus Ultra!
Struggling with a sense of unease. In this new reality, fear is on the rise, and we need heroes more than ever. If you want to get stronger, then walk on through. If I worry about what everyone else is doing, I'll never be the best. I'll forge my own path to the number one spot. The symbol of peace is gone, and the people are looking not for a dim light, but a dazzling one. At this point, those in the shadows and those in the light are both leaderless. Someone must take control. What are you planning? Please, don't go. When we put on our costumes and take to the streets, we are heroes. I've spread my roots across this country. I'll break the natural order of things. Whatever it takes, I will save that girl! 